This week on the True Jory podcast, the strongest man on the planet. He deadlifted 500 kilograms. He won World's Strongest Man 2017. He's known as the Beast, and his name is Eddie Hall. That's exactly it. He, he did his event, and he was jumping with joy. All his team were fucking wanking him off, celebrating. <laughs> fucking, pot, you know, flowers were going, fireworks. Yeah, and then when I beat him, it was, but you've disallowed a rep. It's not, it's like... <laughs> You're happy, mate. Yeah, 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 it went from literally one extreme to the other. Yeah. I was destined to be an Olympic champion. Destined. I am narcissistic, you know, but in a way where I don't think I'm better than everybody and than anybody else, but I think I'm better than everybody else in strong. And that's different. That's what my hole was, depression. You know, and I had to do something, I had to, I had to have a goal to stop me sitting in the house and potentially slitting my wrists. So Eddie, how do you think you're gonna feel when I pull the 500? And I was like, I was like, Benny, cut the bullshit. I said, do you know what I see in your eyes right here, right now? What? I was like, I see me pulling 500 kilos. And he just, I just saw his body language change, like. Before competitions, I was like a cage lion. Yeah. You know, you couldn't, if you, if you interrupted my schedule, if you made me miss a meal, or a training session, or a physio session, you were fucking getting your head ripped off. Something I've always wanted to say. Yeah. Eh? Mm-hmm. Today, on the True Jody podcast, we have the strongest man on the fucking planet. Wow. All right? Yeah. Eddie Hall, thanks for coming, mate. I've been hustling you for a while, haven't I? You have, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's good to be here, mate. Um, you know, I'll be like, this is my first ever podcast. You know, as you start know, with the best, mate. That's start it. with the best, yeah. as they say, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never had the time, and I'll be totally honest, I've never listened to your podcast, mate. I've never listened to any podcast. Fine. But no but podcast, but it's not like he prefers yeah, someone else. I'm used to this, because when I first ever messaged Eddie, and this is legit, it was about 2012, and I, and I, I direct messaged him, and I was like a big fan then, even. Right? So I've gone back a while, and I was like, mate, you got any like tips for like weightlifting, anything like that? And obviously, you must get that message a fucking million times a day. Yeah. And his reply was, do your push ups and eat your weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I laughed me out, and I thought, fair play, go and do your own fucking yeah. research as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds something I'd say, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I did. Now look at us. Yeah, fine. You look like me in looking, 2012. Looking good. Um, but yeah, actually, that was. I think that was the year. I looked, watched a documentary, and I worked. I think that was the year that you went to the world's first time round. Yeah, I think 2012 yeah. was my first world's strongest man. Yeah, and now you've won it. Uh, like the whole documentary that's out on Netflix. If anyone hasn't seen it, go and watch it. Eddie Strongman. Um, it's all about this pursuit of winning the world's strongest man title, and the conclusion that comes at the end of the the movie is like, what if he does win it? Like, will it just be game over? Is that it? Is this the end of Eddie? Because you're just so driven. Mm-hmm. Now you've done it. Does it feel like that? Or 
Um, it, it, it's it's very mixed mixed feelings, mixed emotions. You know, I've always said to myself, I've just got one goal, and that's to win the world's strongest man. You know, and uh, th there's nothing else on the planet I'd rather have. There's no other title, no other accolade. You know, you could be the fastest man on the planet, the smartest man, but to me, the most alpha male title out there is the world's strongest man. If mm. if a bloke said they didn't want to be the world's strongest man, then they'll fucking line out their ass. Every man wants to be the world's strongest man, and that that's that's what. You know that I don't know why it was just maybe a subconscious thing, but that's something I wanted. Mm. I just had to have in my life, and I dedicated my life to it, as you can see in the documentary. Yeah. You know, I went, I went all out, and I've done a lot more since then. Mm. You know, I've took, took steps up and gone above and beyond what people would expect to do to 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 to, to achieve it. You are you are really underrated from the get go, in my opinion, because it's like. No English lad had done that well. I mean, Terry Hollins had got third, I think, but apart from him, it had been a long time. And people didn't seem to believe in you the way you believed in yourself, and you've fucking proved a lot of people wrong. How does it feel like when you got on that yeah, podium and you're actually lifting it above your head? What was that moment like? Well, that, that's exactly it. It's it's proving the naysayers wrong, and that's honestly what fuels my fire. You know, when I... Uh, <laughs> I say I was going to win the UK Strongest Man back in 2011. You know, I'd, I'd probably done three competitions before that. And I put a status on Facebook the week before saying, I can't wait till I win the UK Strongest Man next week. You know, proper cocky, arrogant, that's right. <laughs> but I've always backed up my bullshit. And that's the difference. Always backed it up. And, 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 and I suppose when people say you're not going to win the world's strongest man, it hurts. You know, because I put my life and soul into it. So, honest to God, it was those people that would make me do those extra reps, mm -hmm. force feed that little bit of extra food, do that extra physio session, that extra stretching session. So, not in a spiteful, I told you so sort of way, but in a way of, I've proved you wrong. You know, you can do amazing things if you put your mind and soul to something. You can achieve anything, literally. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm living proof of that. Yeah. I think there's something that struck, strikes me about when you look at you as a character, you also, when you look at, watch your documentary, I watched it again last night because I thought I, I need a reminder, there's some quite emotional moments in there. But there's something that most people don't realise about the world's strongest men, it's actually quite a brave decision to go down that path in the first place. Because like the same documentary, it's quite, it can be quite lonely, you're mm -hmm. alone for a lot of the day. It's an extreme on the body, which is something that if you climb a mountain or you run long marathons, you instantly see. But people assume strength and they think, well, he's only getting stronger, that's good for him. But you're pushing your strength to an extra degree. There's quite a lot of bravery. Did you realize how much there was? Do you think at the beginning of your journey, you realized what it would take to get to this point? I mean, I, I committed to becoming the world's strongest man when I was 19. You know, I said, you can ask anyone in the local gym, I said when I was 19, I'm going to win World's Strongest Man one day. And pretty much to the day from my first contest when I was 19, 10 years later, I won the World's Strongest Man. So it took me 10 years of solid hard graft. And it is, oh, I, I couldn't, if I described it the worst way possible, it still wouldn't be enough to, to show what I've been through. You know, it's the huge sacrifices. It's from the age of 19, I've probably missed, uh, uh, God's honest truth, 10 training sessions, never miss a meal, you know, stretching, physio, hot cold treatments. Uh, you know, I've even gone to extremes of taking loans out to buy myself a hyperbaric, you know, chamber. chamber. Yeah. Um, but 
endless amounts of physio kit, shockwave machines and TENS machines. I, I have invested well over six figures in, in on my body, well over, mm. you know, and, and, that's, and that, is, that in itself is a, a huge sacrifice because I'm, I'm like every other guy, you know, I've got mortgages to pay and I've got a wife and kids to support and it put a massive strain on on on, on me, you know. Um, the, I mean, the wife, fucking hell, man! I've been with her seven years, uh, and and, and I say we've only we've only just had a first holiday together. You know, we had a we had a holiday when we first got together seven years ago, um, and then it was like every time we'd mention holiday, oh, but there's this competition coming up, so I can't have a week off because it'll, you know, I might I might not win that then because a, a week off takes you three weeks to catch up. Nights out, you'd never do because you've got to eat at certain times. You've got to, you know, you've got to be in bed in certain times. It, you know, it, I've literally missed every parents' evening for the kids, school plays, um, birthdays. I've been away competing or training. Chris, even Christmas Day, you know, I've got to go and train. You know, I have to, I have to eat a certain time, and yeah, I fuck birthdays up. I fuck Christmases up, but. You know, and, and I've nearly lost my wife several times over it, but I've always said it's going to be worth it one day for that, you know, winning that trophy. And and it was, you know, all that hard work and sacrifice. And it, it, it you just, it was all bull, you know, to me, it was bullshitting myself constantly. It was, this is for a reason. And every time me and the wife had, argu had an argument about me, you know, not going out or having a holiday, it'd be, but, but, just wait till I win the world's strongest man and it'll all get better you know I've promised that every year for seven years and then it's fucking happened you know it's mm -hmm. been it's been been worth it where'd you go on holiday we went to Mauritius which was like right, you know an Indian island and yeah, it was yeah. fucking fantastic did you go to you went to Mauritius as, as the world's strongest man or was this this was just after you won it or something like that yeah well I, I literally two I think it was last week or the week before mm -hmm. that so yeah that was that was my that was seven years worth seven years worth of holiday and the honeymoon all in one. So yeah. we had a we went all out. That's a lot had, of a good time. Yeah, we had a we had a good fucking holiday. We put, yeah, yeah, it was. And a that's good quite one. literal, actually. If, if yeah, especially yeah. the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. that I, is incredible. Though. Yeah. When, yeah. When I'm watching the um, and I think when I'm watching the documentary, I think it's not just a documentary that lads are going to watch as well because you really feel for your wife mm. and then you see it from her point of view with someone who's also sacrificing for your dream. And yeah, that pursuit of excellence that you're on, and just the everything's n not important. I've just got to fucking get this dream, and she is on that, just right next to you the whole yeah. time. When you did it, uh, was she there with you at the time, or was she on the other end of a phone uh, when you told her? No, the, I was I, the only person I took out to Will Strong's man with me was my physio. Mm. Um, so everything back home was all done through the internet, you know, Facebook mm. and and update websites and whatever so um yeah and that and that in itself is tough as well because when, but that wasn't through lack of you know funding or whatever it yeah. was the fact she wanted to come uh -huh. but it was uh, i'm just so fucking selfishly driven uh -huh. and it's like you can't come babe because i've got to look after you i've got to make sure you're fed back this at isn't the hotel. The and i'm like i'm there for one reason and one reason only win the world's strongest man and you see other athletes taking the messages out, taking the mates out, and I'm like, it's 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 fucking idiotic. It's stupid to me. This is work. 
Is that is that something you saw other athletes doing then they went alone? Or did some because yeah, like I you're mean, saying, you look up to a lot of the other guys. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do they take entourages or are they alone? Yeah, I mean uh, four had something like thirty guys there yeah. with him. <laughs> is it Floyd Mayweather style? Yeah, proper yeah, yeah. Floyd Mayweather style. He um, you know, he stayed in his own flat. We we all stayed in a hotel, he stayed in his own flat, he he brought his own chef over. Like Game of Thrones money looking after him, man. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he he went proper diva at Worlds. Um but you know, I think at the end of the day, no no amount of uh, entourage can 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 beat hard work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. since you uh, brought them up, actually, it's probably a good uh, time to cover this because there was a bit of controversy at Will's Strongest Man. There was, you know, people saying he was wrongly stripped of reps that he'd done and then other people came back and said, well, if he'd got that rep, then Eddie would have done the barrels quicker or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can you cover that a little bit and explain what went down and what your opinion is? Because he had a rant on Instagram afterwards. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was very bad sportsmanship from four. But regardless in his head whether he was done over or not, you don't go on to social media and slag your own sport off you know it's really bad for the sport mm-hmm. so that that's one thing the second thing you know Europe's strongest man when he won Europe's strongest man I was the first man to shake his hand and say well done and that was not repeated to me at world's strongest man um, just, can I just ask do you give a fuck no I don't give a fuck okay. but it's, it just shows what character 4 is mm-hmm. and um it's disappointing for you. I can it tell. was disappointing. It was very hurtful, actually, uh-huh. because you know you worked you worked your dick off all year for a contest, you know. And we've had me and four have had battles before, and we've been that close. You know, I've, I, I, we had a we had a um, a contest out in Malaysia, I think 2014, where we came joint first, and he won on countback, and I still shook his hand and took it like a man. Europe's strongest man. He beat me by one one or two points. Basically, whoever won that last event won. And he beat me, you know, and I took it on the head, you know. But to be honest, that that second place at Europe's is what probably gave me that last little bit of fire in the belly, that last month of training for the Worlds that was like, right, fuck you, I'm going to get you back for that. Yeah. So I think that if I won, if I'd have won Europe's, maybe I wouldn't have won the Worlds because I wouldn't have had the same fire, yeah. you know. So something's, something's working your way. But anyway, back to the, the controversy with four... <laughs> no, um, I can't go into too much detail. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in contract, but find out at Christmas. Basically, find out at Christmas. Yeah. But let, let's talk about it in a general way. So, there was an event where you went out and did X amount of reps. Okay, so four went out before me and did X amount of reps. I went out after. I said to well, the referees, the TV crew. How many reps do I have to do to win this event? Mm-hmm. X amount of reps. I went out and did X amount of reps. Had, I think, nearly 20 seconds left on the clock. Put the apparatus down and walked away. So That makes sense. Right. So, and then after, not before, after I'd gone, four then came out and said, because you've disallowed my one rep, Eddie's now beat me. But why didn't he say that before I went? Yeah. This is my this is my major quarrel. If they'd have given him that extra rep, I would then then have gone out and okay. gone, How many reps do I have to do now? Yeah. I'll have done that. Well you'd have used the twenty seconds that you had as well. You, I'd have used the twenty seconds to make sure I would have done that. Mm-hmm. Um it's complete I, I don't know, it's all these yes men around four. Because I remember four walking back into the tent after he did his his event, very happy with his result, very happy. 
You know, he'd beat everyone by three reps on that certain event. And, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't until I went that he was unhappy with how it went. And th that just seems to me like, oh, I've been beat. Oh, let's try and fucking retract it, you know? It was just bullshit. But I'm not going to say any more about it because I am in contract, but he will look such a fucking dick at Christmas and that's all I need to say. I don't need to say anything because the, all the facts will come out. You know, people have been stipulating and, and saying breaks on a plane and all this kind of shit and that is just fucking ludicrous, yeah. you know. The, the man, end of the day, the man got beat fair and fucking square in a strongman contest and he can't take it. But there's a lot of questions that come off the back of that, aren't there? Like when you saw he came back in looking so satisfied mm. what, what, is that, what does that make you think well that's exactly it he, he did his event and he was jumping with joy all his team were fucking wanking him off celebrating <laughs> fucking pot, you know flowers were going fireworks yeah, and then when I beat him it was but you've disallowed a rep it's not and it's like thought you were happy mate yeah, yeah, yeah it went from literally one extreme to the other yeah and that's why it, it if he'd have done it before I went out, then fine. You know, I, I, I perhaps would have given the gratitude and, and the sad, whatever. If the referee said, yeah, I'll give you the extra rep, whatever. I'd have gone out and done whatever I needed to do. Mm -hmm. But three referees watched the footage back on Four's, um, his, his uh, what's his word? You know, the, the discrepancy. Okay. All three reps said, it was genuine. He, he should have been disallowed. Magnus Ver Magnussen, an Icelandic himself, said he would have disallowed four of the reps. I heard a lot of people uh, were saying afterwards after watching the whole thing. And this is the same, same referee thing. who disallowed my world record deadlift back in 2014. Oh, you know, so you can't say he's biased. Yeah, you can't. And well, because he's, he's fucked you over before himself. He's fucked me over uh, myself. And you know? took it like you took it fair and and, and, that, and he got criticised for that because he's he then because of that. Benny Magnuson won that deadlift event yeah. and I didn't. So, you know, he got criticised, but I took that like a man, called him a prick, <laughs> then apologised, and then I shoot Benny's hand and I just took it on the head, you know, if shit happens. But to, uh, to just to just to bring it all to, yeah. to public knowledge and, and try and demean me was really bad for sportsmanship. Pat, can I ask one more question? Yeah, sure, mate. There's something that I think strikes you that I always watched World's Strongest Man as a kid and it never struck me that, um, you can always see there's a little bit of compatriotship between you guys, you all get on very well, but I think what your documentary shows is how close some of you guys are, mm -hmm. eating lunch together, those sorts of things. That's not, you don't see that on the final product. You mm -hmm. can see quite a polished thing. I think your documentary shows that quite well, how yeah. close you guys are. What's it like then when someone swaggers back in, thinks he's all that, and then throws his toys out of the pram. Does that alienate him from the group at all? Because you guys seem very close-knit. Like, 100%, 100%. You know, I think the feels for, for certain strongmen in the camp are the feels, everyone feels the same. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, you know, and as you can probably see on some footage, you know, me and Brian get along great. Yeah. And I massively respect Brian. He is... He is the definition of a professional athlete because I've never seen someone as, as professional as him. Mm. He takes everything so serious and to the dot. You know, he doesn't sway. He doesn't doesn't sway off track. He doesn't fuck about. He gets shit done, and he knows what he's doing. And and, and he, he uses it like me. He uses his resources. You know, he pays someone five grand to do his diet plan. He he he, he does the hyperbaric treatments and the hot. He's got his own hot cold tub like myself and. 
you know, he invests in himself. And, and to be honest, that's why, that's who I learned that from. Yeah. When I started seeing him spending $400 a week on physio and $400 a week on food and hyper, but you know, it just added, he's spending like over $1,000 a week on his own body a week. And that made me realize you've got to invest in yourself. And I'm pretty much throwing that kind of figures out myself, you know, 250 quid a week on food, 250 quid a week on physio. I mean, 500 quid a week just on those two things alone, yeah. that's a good fucking wage in the UK, mm. you know? And, and luckily I've got the sponsors to, to, to pay for all this. Mm-hmm. And that is honest to God, the only reason why I got to Will's Strongest Man status is because I had the fucking backing. And why did I have the backing? Because I've got the branding. You know, and that's a big thing as well. You've got to you've got to showcase yourself and you've got to make the sport entertaining. I don't want to be one of those boring twats that walks out, does a lift, fucking goes back in and pats himself on the back. You know, I want to fucking be proud of my, yeah. my achievements and, and proud of who I am. And that's the difference, I think. You're not just a weightlifter, mate. There's a, there's a hell of a lot more to mm. you, that's for damn sure. Before the first second I started watching Strongman, it was like, Honest, who the fuck is that tattoo? He looks like he's from 300. Mm. Straight away, like you stand out a mile and it, the way yeah. you, you're screaming, ah, I'm the beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That people just instantly like, who's that guy? Um, <coughs> you're a small businessman. You, you sort of took from like that WWE wrestler sort of mold and brought it into strongman. Um, but ironically, just going back to the fact that, you know, Thor's claiming he was shafted. If anything, it would seem to me that it would be in the interests of the people who organise the event to make the most famous celebrity in the event the yeah. champion. So why would they then give it to the lad from England? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it just it, you know it just didn't all add up to uh-huh. me. Um, and I, and I'm sure when everyone watches it at Christmas, they'll have the same opinion as me. Uh-huh. You know, it's just uh, just literally a man has literally thrown his toys out the yeah. pram because he didn't get his own way. And, and uh, let me say one thing when. I mean, obviously, you might have heard the stuff that's going on before in his personal life in the minute, which I'm not one to judge, mm-hmm. and I don't really give a fuck. But the fact that when he didn't get these reps disallowed, you should have seen the way he was standing over the referees and trying to get his own way. And I, thought, and I thought to myself, you fucking twat. Yeah. You know, literally using his size and presence to sort of try and get them to change. You know, I mean, Colin Bryce was the head referee and I could see him getting fucking scared when all this was going on. You know, he was uh, quite, I think he was quite worried he was going to get banged on top of the head or something, you know, which I think in itself is wrong as well. But there you go. What's, what's it like having a room, because all of you uh, think you're the alpha, or are the alpha male in that room. Not many times you get dynamic where there's so many men in the room mm. who all rate themselves above the others. Do you ever see any scraps kick off or like that? Like, um, no, I've never seen any any tempers flown um, whilst I've been in the game. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I've heard fights have happened in the past, <laughs> you know, and, and tempers have been erupted. Um, but that 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 is the alpha male in, in these men because that is what they are. At the end of the day, they are they are there to prove a presence. You know, they're not there to make a number up. They're there to make a fucking presence. So. Um, it's a tough one they're all nice guys you know and the camaraderie is good but at the end of the day when that fucking whistle blows you you, you want that guy to trip up and smash his face and that's that's the truth <laughs> that's the truth I love it you know, like? people it? say they want people say they wish and there are people out there that will wish other athletes on yeah but they're the ones that'll never win yeah you know they're the nice guys the two nice guys always finish last 
And you are the bad guy. I'm the you? bad guy. I'm happy being the bad guy. You know, I don't care. I'm out. I'm out for myself. You know, end of the day, when you're out there, you're out. I'm not a team. Mm. You know, I'm not a football team. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not paid millions and millions of pounds to go and support England. I'm there for Eddie Hall. Do you prefer that you're you're on your own and it's just you? And it, so then you've got no one to blame. If if it all goes tits, then it's it's on you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm. If anything goes fucking tits up, it, it, it is all on me. I mean, I've got a fantastic management behind me um, who does all my commercial stuff, um, and he's kept me out of some 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 rather good, you know, rather bad miver. Mm-hmm. And he's he's sort of my mentor as well. You know, he's he's in his fifties. He's been there and done that, made mistakes and made some good mistakes. You know, some good good choices as well. So I think I think I've just been very lucky with my surroundings as well as the branding that I've done. That I've just had that I've just had the perfect opportunity. You know, if I didn't have the backing, or if I didn't, if I never met my manager, I, I'd never had the money to buy the physio, the hyperbaric chambers, and the, the you know I've just I've just had a great journey, mm-hmm. very lucky, great journey. How did you meet your manager? So my um, my manager now he is uh, the local millionaire basically you know he's very well known in my in my town he's he's he's, he owns Waterworld that you've heard of Waterworld I've heard of Waterworld because that was the one place everyone wanted to go when you went on a school trip it is if you live in the Midlands it is one of the most magical yeah so there you go so he owns Waterworld he owns he he probably owns a quarter of Stoke to be honest you know he's yeah and 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 basically I joined one of his gyms and um, he asked to see me and uh, we, we had a quick meeting. I think he was a bit worried, basically, I was going to come in and destroy all his equipment. <laughs> so he, he had me in, I think, for that reason. Yeah. And then, you know, I sort of said, well, no, mate, that's not the case. You know, he's got a great, you know, it was like a spa session, uh, you know, jacuzzi, sauna, cold pools and all that. So I joined for that, you know, to use the swimming pool and everything. Um, and he basically said, well, what, what the fuck are you doing here? You know, and I, I said that. And he says, well, why? You know, what, what, what's, all, what's all this about? What are you doing? And I was working at the time as a full-time athlete, a uh, full-time mechanic. And I had my own door security you know, company as well. Mm. So he basically said, do you think you can be the world's strongest man? Look me in the eyes and tell me. And I said, yeah, I, I can fucking win the world's strongest man. He says, well, what's stopping you? I said this. I said, I can't, you know, I've got mortgages to pay, I've got bills to pay, I still have to work full time, I've got my own door company. And I said, I just haven't got the time to recover and train. I said, I can't afford my food and I can't, you know, I can't afford to travel to destinations to compete, which is <laughs> ridiculous in itself. So he literally there and then shoot my hand and said, quit your fucking job, I'm going to back you. And that's how it started. It's always good when that happens. Yeah, so. it just started like that. And yeah. uh, he, he's basically got, he's, you know, he's obviously being his status, he's got lots of um, business associates and, and, and basically they all chipped in and, and sort of helped me out. And it's been amazing. The, the support from the local businesses in Stoke has just been fucking bob on. Yeah. You know, they can all take a... They can all take a, a bit of pride in my title because they yeah. definitely help me. It's nice when people from your hometown get behind you like that. Yeah. I wish oh. I could say I'd had the same back then, to be honest. Fucking journals won't even fucking follow us on Twitter. 
<laughs> Probably because I'm making them look bad. But, yeah. um, it's hard, hard when an amateur off stage as a professional. Yeah, that will often happen. Um, um, one, one question off the back of that is... Can I uh, start asking questions? No, I've got some great questions. Um, <laughs> there's also... What I, what I find quite striking about World's Strongest Man is one of the few competitions in the world where there's nationalism, but it doesn't seem like nationalism, which has got that nasty edge to it's it. It's the old-fashioned you know I mean? like sort of, It's the old... There's a bit of pride about that. You guys all carry flags out and there's mm-hmm. an element of that, but it's not sort of... It's not. It's not EDL. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean that's all it is. I think because it is the world's strongest man, they've just got to um, separate us by, by country, basically. That's yeah. the only way to do it, you know. And uh, obviously, it's sold off to so many countries. I think it's sold to something like ninety countries. The world's strongest man. Mm-hmm. So to have, you know, obviously they have the English England representatives to to put. England next to your name then when they start doing English TV it's so much easier yeah. end of the day it's all about it's a money making uh, competition like everything else like the NFL like football it, it's all about money you know what frustrates me about World's Strongest Man is I feel like it's um, it's it's such a good sport now and it's come so far and people like you are bringing it into the mainstream particularly but some of the the ways they put the content out there is still very 1970s. Like, mm. like the fact that it isn't live is is Crazy. at this point to me mental. Like, I, I'm I'm like people want to watch these guys. These are they're not looked upon as um, oh, the big strong guys. They're, they're athletes now. People like, yeah. especially because like gym life generally has come on so far in the last 20 years. People want to know what you're doing and the training methods and all of that. And, I just think that they need to make it live at some point. Uh, is you, are you feeling a bit like that? Or? Um, yes and no. I mean, the thing is, it was so tough to get it live because the World Strongest Man final is spaced over two days and you need two days. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's like three or four hours between each event and you need that fucking recovery time. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to make it live, then it almost makes it impossible to the athletes to recover you know, because you want to, if you're going to do a live show, you've got to fit it in two hours, really, haven't you? Minimum, mm-hmm. at most, I think. Yeah. Otherwise, people are going to get very bored, Yeah. you know, watching blank, blank, blank TV whilst they're setting up other events and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Um, I, I honestly think the best, the best way forward for, for the strongman is the way they are doing it now, mm-hmm. is making it, you know, doing these shows, editing them down, making them into a professional show, and sending them out to TV that way if it was a live I just don't think it'd have that, that, that potentially that, that fact, I mean, that he works at, like you come from the TV I'm already so. thinking of formats I've got yeah, a few I, in my head but potentially if they, if they could find a way where the lads could still have that rest and still and then well here's my, here's my answer why not run things like your documentary in between the events because if you if uh, there's you know they do this little sort of tweet packages on people and you know we're getting to know him yeah. in five minutes that's all well and good, but like if I, if they ran a documentary on each guy in between each event, maybe two documentaries, a little bit of social media in between, people feeding back, mm. talking to some of the guys' camps. You'll be getting the jobs soon, mate. You're I'm not joking. Keep my ideas to ourselves, mate. No, no, no but you know, like, there's, there's, uh, I mean, uh, what I understand is if you sell it to TV, it's more lucrative than if you do it online, and that's that's the big issue right now. Mm, yeah. If you sell it online, you know, we got 16 million views the other day for a fight. That that you can't monetize that in the same way as send that to English TV, American. Yeah, I, I just think strongman's the, the the only way you do it would be like the Olympics. You yeah. know, you'd 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 start off with the the heavyweights. Once the heavyweights done event one, you then go to the middleweights event one, mm-hmm. lightweights event one, then back to the heavyweights event two. 
that kind of thing you perhaps do that but th- I think that's a long way off mm-hmm. um, and would would the world pay to view world's strongest man yes they would but do you think they'd get the same amount of money as the money they get off selling to 90 yeah. countries that's I, where we come in. I very much doubt it um, yeah come, so can we go back to your upbringing then? Because I, I, I am fascinated by the fact that yeah, you were like a champion swimmer and all of that as mm. well. What was it? What were your mum and dad like with you growing up? Did they realise what they had on their hands early on? And like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm the youngest of two brothers, mm-hmm. uh, three brothers, sorry. So I've got you know two older brothers, Alex and James, mm-hmm. um, and we were little fucking bastards. <laughs> we were horrendous, you know. Looking back now, I don't know how the fuck my mum and dad got through it. Mum and dad were, were very. Very good parents, you know, my dad worked his arse off in a, in a factory for 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, never at home, Hard, hardly ever there at the weekends, you know, he's a very, a very drained, uh, mentally drained and physically drained man over the, you know, I saw him fucking hate life, basically. Mum mm-hmm. uh, was a swimming teacher uh, and she worked with uh, disabled children, you know, uh, mentally and physically. And um, but basically that's where my swimming career started was the swimming. My mum basically just chucked me in a pool at age two, and uh, that was it. Swim or fucking drown, and I swam. And that, that's how it started. Honestly, that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, by age five, I was in a swimming club, swimming for Newcastle Swimming Club, and the two older brothers swam there as well. And that's where the competitive started. Not not from the other swimmers, not from people my age. But I'd have to beat my older brothers. Yeah. I'd have to, and that's that's just sibling <laughs> rivalry. That's that's human nature, isn't it? You know, you want to be better. You don't want to be better than your brother. You want to beat your brother at stuff. You know, you put a you put a, two pizzas on the table. But I can eat that quicker than you. Go. You know, it's constant, isn't it? When you're a child, mm-hmm. everything's everything's a competition. So that's where my swimming came in. You know, it, 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 very quickly, everyone my age, I was twice as fast. And then I moved up a group and I'm swimming with my brothers and then, you know, I'm starting, starting to catch them up. And then by age 10, surpassed them. And it's like, right, I, I, I'm better than those two at swimming now. So what's next? Let's be the best in the country. So at age 10, I was literally training 17 to 20 hours a week in the water. You know, before, before school, after school, I'd get up at five in the morning. I'd cycle down to the swimming baths do an hour and a half session, cycle to school, do a day at school, home, food, and then cycle back to the swimming bath for another hour and a half session, every fucking day. You know, I was driven. I was fucking driven. Um, age, I think I was, eight, I was 11 when I won my first nationals, you know, I was the best swimmer in the country for my age. Mm. Broke British records, you know, from, from people that have been and gone to the Olympics. Um, that's when I got on the what they called the Olympic potential squad. So I was basically seen as the the, the Olympic future of the country. So I was put into the squad, given a bit of money, you know, my own coach, my own nutritionist, given extra help with anything I wanted, basically. And that 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 took me three three years in a row on the nationals, and I you know I smashed a fair few British records. I was destined to be an Olympic champion, destined, you know, and I was so driven. And then it just got ruined, you know, age 13, I just, just fucking hated it. Don't know why, don't know what happened, just, 
Was it the monotony of the swimming? It was the it was this Olympic potential squad that was on the you know they brought in these Australian coaches and you've got to do it their way or no way. I went from swimming fifteen hours a week to twenty hours a week, yeah. doing all different um, strokes. You know, I was a freestyler, and this guy made me do breaststroke, backstroke, butterfly, and I'm like, I'm a freestyler. Why am I doing these things? And I hated it. I fucking hated it. And uh, it all it all came to a head. I used to go on these swimming camps with this Olympic squad. You know, you go to uh, Loughborough and London and all sorts of places, and you'd spend two weeks. You know, doing these camps, literally fucking sergeant drill. Up at five, swim, yoga, eat, take a shit at this time, stretch again, eat, take another shit. You're like, you can have a piss then. That kind of thing, you know. And I just hated it. And uh, I think it was the, towards the end of one camp. And uh, you used to have this stupid system where, you know, if you're late for a meeting, you get a black tick. Three right. ticks and you were sent home. And I'm like, this isn't me. I'm not, I'm not fucking destined for this shit. Yeah. So, you know, I got two black ticks. I think, I think I got caught smoking in one of the hotel rooms, <laughs> set the whole fucking building fire alarm off as well. <laughs> and, uh, and then it came, you know, oh, Bill Sweetman wants to, wants to see you, you know, the, the head Australian coach. And I said, fuck it. I said, tell that fat cunt, come see me. <laughs> and that was it you know I was gone out out, out, out the squad out, and I thought I got back to, to Stoke and I'm like fuck it I've given up swimming carried it on for a bit but I just dwindled all my first place trophies turned to second thirds fourths lost interest 15 years old I was expelled from high school um, you know what you did yeah. <laughs> um, loads of things mainly involving my dick but loads of things <laughs> Um, Never heard that really, before. Yeah, you know what kids are like, you know, flopping your dick out everywhere you can and yeah. that kind of thing. Funny, I got expelled for the same thing when yeah. I was eight. Yeah, good Except man. Except you were just Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Always going one better. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I think the last straw was, um, the, you know, there's one, one lad who was just an absolute fucking dick in my year, a bit of a bully. Yeah. Beat one of my mates up. So, and it was snowing at the time, I'll never forget it. And I said, right, this is the plan. We're going to throw a snowball at the twat. Let him chase you into the woods and I'll wait in the woods. And that's exactly what we did. And wow. I beat the living shit out of that fucker. Wow. Um, but he couldn't take it like a man. Yeah. And the police were involved. School, I just got expelled. So that was the end of school career anyway. Home tutored, um, which is the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest. Um, I got seven GCSEs, A to B, not A to C. Fuck me. Yeah. So, believe it or not, I was I was very very bright at school. Mm -hmm. I just chose not to fucking put it into lessons. You know. I think it's mad when you look at schools generally, though. Like, for me personally, when I'm sat in a room full of kids, like whenever I, I would get more one on one time, I would just find it so much better. Yeah. That and that's where I, from 15 to basically my last year and a half of high school, I had at home tutored and I learned so much more. Mm -hmm. And that year and a half, I went from probably a D grade student to an A, you know, A B grade, mm -hmm. which is which is quite phenomenal, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and obviously, when I was 15. When everyone was at school, I actually joined joined a gym, and every day, you know, everyone would get up and go to school. I get up and go to the gym, mm -hmm. so that and that's where weightlifting started for me at fifteen. I'd go and hit a bit of weights, and uh, I sort of training with a local powerlifter, power uh, bodybuilder, and uh, he took me under his wing, and that's that's where we, you know we went from there. So that's like that's ideal, isn't it? When you're yeah. getting with someone who knows what the fuck they're doing, because. Um, 
unfortunately and I get lads messaging in all the time asking should I do this should I do that and and you see lads in the gym and their wrists are going and the, oh yeah fuck me mate you're gonna kill yourself yeah it's tough uh-huh. um, but as I say from day one I had pretty lucky pretty lucky in the gym mm-hmm. because you know for, uh, everyone in the gym had the stigma of chest and biceps and that was it you know they wouldn't train legs back but because I trained with this but he was in his 40s you know, and I train with him every single day, he'd be like, right, we're doing legs today. I'd be like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do legs. You know, what's the point in doing legs? No, we're doing legs. So from day one, I was forced to train properly. He mm-hmm. didn't let you skip leg day. Didn't let me skip yeah. leg day, yeah. which was probably the foundation of everything, really. So you didn't even have all the mistakes that a lot of kids will make. You learned properly. Not really. Correct form yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, straight away. Very lucky. Was he, was he hard on you? Was he telling you, like, you know, do this do He this was way very way? hard on me, yeah. He was, uh, I'd say he was in his 40s. He was, he was a, quite a, a bit of a hard nut as well. That's you ideal, that. The kind of guy you wouldn't even, you wouldn't look at him twice That's in a nightclub, you know. He was a fucking nasty bastard. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was ideal at age 19. I, uh, I, I just found I was the strongest guy in the area, probably the strongest guy in Staffordshire. And I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna enter a strongman contest. And at 19, I entered the uh, Blackburn Strongest Man. I think and I came fifth out of fucking hell, about 20 guys, I believe. Is that that footage in the documentary where you're- Yeah, where I'm shaking hands with you, Mark Felix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that almost looks like that's just in a car park somewhere. Yeah, that's that's the way strongman is. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, literally a car park sport. You know, it's growing, but that that's the foundation of the sport. It's, yeah. it's it's a circus circus sport at the end of the day. It's an entertainment sport. Um. So yeah, I went from there really, and that's that's believe it or not, I won England's strongest man when I was twenty one. I never trained strongman. I just did bodybuilding. You know, I just wanted to get big and and look good. Did you ever um, consider going down body but the building route? I did, but then I just realised how, how much of a fucking bunch of pricks bodybuilders are <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. You know, they just I don't it's just I shouldn't have said that. It's just not my scene. Yeah. Bodybuilding's not my well, scene. Well it's very different, it's like very, one's getting on stage to show off and it's, the, and just, it's both ego driven, I guess. Very, very narcissistic. It, uh, very it's also worth saying that your hero was a bodybuilder. Well. Of course. Yeah. Arnold Arnold was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found bodybuilding at the time just, 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 just. I suppose, in all honesty, I found it too hard, right? To to, to gain strength and look good at the same time. The so, diet and stuff. But I found strength easy, and I found a six pack hard. So I went for the strength route. Strength, or more, or you were more naturally. You felt you were more naturally predisposed towards strength. I was a big lad, you know. Yeah. You got to, you got to bear in mind because of my swimming career. I swam until I was sixteen. So um, at 16 years old, I was 16 stone, and honest to God, I was probably eight to 10 percent body fat. I was fucking ripped. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm big for a 16 year old. I was big, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's where I got the foundation. Really, you know, the, the swimming. I already had muscles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lung capacity. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's important. Huge lung. You know, mine's off the scar, off the scale. You can't even measure it. Yeah, um, and also heart function as well. Yeah, because. I actually found out over the years that swimming is one of the only sports that trains the aortic valve on your heart. Mm-hmm. So basically, because when you're swimming, you're holding your breath and it, it stretches and it conditions it basically. Um, so uh, I've never had any heart problems over the year and I've had many scans and, and whatever else. Mm-hmm. 
What, what I was thinking, another thing that you definitely seem to gain from swimming is the state of mind, which I think is one of the most important things you've got. Yeah. That that I'm going to, all right, I'm, I'm beat this guy, I'm going to beat this guy. And, and going back to your brothers and competing with them, that sort of conditioned you for what you do all the time now. Yeah. Um, uh, I, and again, I was very lucky. My coach, when I was, I think, nine to 13, nine to 14, something, um, he was an, he, he trained Olympic Mm. Olympic champions, you know, he he he, he trained me, me, basically his athletes have won gold medals at the Olympics. Mm. So I had one of the best coaches in the country at my local swimming club. You, you got very lucky in many ways. Very lucky in many ways. Um, one thing I'm interested in is when you talk about being a five-year-old, like you saying, I can remember being a five-year-old thinking, right, I'm going to beat him. Mm-hmm. Like that winning mentality, that passion to draw to succeed. Is that just in you, or is that something you think you've developed through experiences as well? I, I don't know. You know, they always say that for in successful athletes like that, there's something missing. You know, there's a dark hole, and I couldn't tell you what that dark hole is. But I'm always trying to fill something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something that makes me want to drive on yeah. and, and be successful. Probably to stop me from getting depressed. When you talked about your dad earlier and, and how it was obviously hard watching him do a job that he obviously wasn't in love with and he was draining over the years. Like me personally getting into YouTube, I, I wanted to do something that made us happy and I enjoyed and yeah. um, I'm guessing watching him become more miserable doing what he was doing, did that ever spur you on to think I want to do something I'm in love with so that I don't have to? I think so, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, my dad, I, I sort of admired him and felt sorry for him at the same time because, especially where we live, it, it, it to get a good job is just fucking impossible. And mm-hmm. he was literally stuck in a rut. You know, he was working as a health and safety officer at a chemical plant for 25 years, day in, day out. And from the sounds of it, the company didn't appreciate him as doing the work of free men. And uh, I think it was about three, four years ago, he quit his job and it, that to get two people to replace him, mm-hmm. which says a lot, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. they're really working the fucker. Mm-hmm. And um, I just don't want to be in that situation because, you know, I've worked. I've, I've been a mechanic. I was a mechanic for 10 years. And hand on heart, nobody can nobody can say they're happy working for somebody else. You can't be. How, how can you get up every day, work nine to five, take home four or 500 quid a week, and the person you're working for is worth billions. You know, I was working for Muller Dairies. Yeah. You know, billion pound company. And how can you be happy? You can't. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You can't be happy. So, and that, that I, think, I suppose my dream all along was to work for myself. I don't want to have a boss. You know, I want to be my own boss. And uh, I'm not very good with authority. I really aren't. It's, you know, I'll sure. get on with work. You know, when I was a mechanic, I'll get on with work. But I just couldn't deal with somebody you know a little jumped up little fucking cunt telling you what to do basically you know I just couldn't deal with it there's so many parallels here yeah um, I, I speak like exactly like you're yeah. saying right now all the time uh, I've actually got a picture of a saying be your own boss on me Instagram yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, I'm the same I hate being told what to do do you know what I mean but that's interesting because I, I actually don't mind being told what to do I, but I uh, I'll never rationalise that it's about that person because I, I, I feel that I, what I find interesting a lot of guests say I think I'm very well at school never really enjoyed mm-hmm. it I was complete opposite I got on fine at school always enjoyed it just put my head down and did what I was supposed to do and I think school was probably made for someone like me but I can yeah. understand why it's not always made for yeah. those other people what I do find interesting about you as a character though is you are quite open about calling yourself a narcissist yeah 
um, which is is interesting because there's it's seen as a bad thing it's though. seen as instantly a bad thing it, oh. it, but it, it is and it isn't yeah. because it's only a bad thing if someone's a narcissist and they don't know it yeah that's bad you know you get people that you get women that literally plaster makeup wear Prada drive a Mercedes and fucking literally think they are better than everyone else put their nose up at people mm. and I've, I've seen it and they're fucking horrible people mm. but I am narcissistic you know but in a way where I don't think I'm better than everybody and than anybody else but I think I'm better than anybody else in strongman and that's different that is a different thing. I'm not above anyone in life. Yeah. You know, even someone in jail, I'm still I'm still worth the same as they are. But in my chose, like when I was swimming, I used to walk around with me fucking bollocks swinging like I was King Kong. You know, I used to think I was the dog's bollocks. I used to think I was invincible. And when I, when I started Strongman, exactly the same, like you said, my first appearance on TV, I had a mohawk, a beard, screaming. I just loved that, that attention. And I loved to entertain. And I think that's my person. That's 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 all it is. It's that combination of awareness and being yeah, narcissistic. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole, I think, uh, obviously, it comes from the Greek myth of the narcissist, who was like completely obsessed with her own image and yeah, hate and it almost rejected people who said you're amazing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They thought the opposite and sort of mocked. Them. And I think that's why I'm so. When I see these negative comments and the naysayer comments, <clears throat> that's the narcissist in me going fuck you yeah you know you're wrong I'm going to prove you fucking wrong and that that's so I, it's in me and I, but I'm aware of it and I control it you know I don't channel it in a way yeah I drive around in a four fat four grand car you know I don't give a fuck about materialistic things I'm not show off in that respect I just want to do well at my sport and entertain at the same time and you've got to be a narcissistic twat to do that you've got to think you've got like Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali is the most probably one of the most narcissistic men on the planet, but because he was that narcissistic, I'm the greatest. He said he was the greatest before he was the greatest, yeah. and that's what made him fucking famous. And that was his branding. Exactly the same with me. That's my branding. And nobody thinks that he was a narcissist now because he achieved. You can't. And call, when you achieve, you can't call Arnold a narcissist now because he has been in the past, but that narcissism got him to where he is now. Yeah. You can't hold that against him. You know, that arrogance turns to confidence. Do you think there's also elements of that that... So, for instance, a lot of people uh, relate depression and narcissism, and sometimes it can have that... I don't want to call it a dark side, I think that's so cliche, mm-hmm. but it can have that side where it can also lead you down. If you don't achieve, then you start feeling... Maybe if you don't achieve, or maybe if you just feel like something's gone wrong. Like I think you, in your documentary, again, I don't want to give away the whole thing. It's mm. worth watching, even though we're speaking about every subject you've got in it you speak about the depression that you felt when you knew your grandma was dying of cancer and that took that was a seven year period mm-hmm. and that's a very long time for someone to be depressed yeah I mean uh, but again I think that's that's what my hole was depression mm. you know and I had to do something I had to drill, I had to have a goal to stop me sitting in the house and potentially slitting my wrists yeah I had to have so I had to be active every single day and I think that's that is my whole in, in reality is, is the only thing I can think of is depression and stuff like me nan and the family and you know getting expelled from school and falling out with a swimming coach and it's just all these things were, were fucking manically depressing you know and I, every time these things happen they'd be like right fuck it what, what's the next goal let's concentrate on that and then I put all, all my energy into that 
and that depression would would go away. And don't get me wrong, I've I've had some bad depression in the in the past when I've what I've got I've lost my ways. I don't know where you know when I got expelled from high school, it was fucking tough. It's fucking hard, man. Because you're just thinking to yourself, fucking hell, I'm fu- fucking my life up here. You know, I'm 15 years old. I'm expelled from school. I'm probably going to be end up in a fucking, uh, you know, some some institute for fucking idiots or whatever. Mm. Um, but th- th- that when you're at that time in life, it is worrying, and I think it's the worry that makes you depressed. Mm. I've got bad news, Brian. Everyone else has seen the success of Harry's and they wanted to get in on that. And now we are in what I can only describe as a razor war against other podcasts. Is that like robot wars with razors? I mean, similar. We are... Can we have a fight with other people? I'm just armed with razors and nothing else. All for the reasonable price of just two ninety five for a trial set of razors. Mm. I'll I'll take two of them because I need one razor. For each each hand. hand. Very good point. But we are in some... (laughs) We are in somewhat of a... Um, a, we are in somewhat of a <laughs> razor war. With, who burps in the middle of a fucking ad? I mean, we me. are we are in somewhat of. Can a, them not compete with that? I, I doubt so. it. We are in somewhat of a razor war with other podcasts because everyone else saw it, and now they have they all have their own custom URL as well. Oh, Harry's dot com oh, forward God. slash. Do you know what the thing is though? I hope we're getting more money than them because it's like if they trialed it with us and now they're trying it with other people. They are the originators deserve the more cash. It's a good point. Uh, I've not seen any cash out of this yet. But the only way that we can the only well uh, just wait for the invoice to go through. The only way that we can prove that we're better is by going to Harry's dot com forward slash True Geordie and signing up. I, I, to be honest, I do like being better than everyone else generally yeah so all we're asking is that people consider going to the the url harrys.com forward slash true geordie mm. checking out the offer signing up for it using exclusively our offer if i try to do something i want it to be the best yeah you know what i mean i do podcasts want it to be the best i want to sell more razors than anyone else yeah do you know what i mean and and the people listening to this can make that dream come true yeah because it's like disney isn't it in a way um Who's shaving in Disney? I don't, although people do... So. Mickey hasn't had hair on his chin and he's been alive for about 100 years, so yeah. probably him. Minnie's definitely got hair on her chin. Mm-hmm. Goofy. Oh, Goofy has little... Uh, do you know one of my, you know my favourite Disney characters? Scrooge McDuck. He definitely shaves. Mm. In fact, I think there is actually a whole cartoon about I, him. I always wanted to be him out of all of them because he's got loads of money. DuckTales, woo! And he used to and dive he had into that the... North, like, Scottish accent, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean... Scrooge McDuck. If you want to see Brian diving into a series of pound coins, then you have to get mm. those pound coins to Brian. Um, Preferably pound... Definitely not razors. I wouldn't want to dive into... No, we're not doing saw or something like that. God, can you, that's actually a really good way to die on saw or something though, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm addicted to shaving thanks to Harry's. Mm-hmm. Harry's.com forward slash true Geordie. Uh, and you can get a little package sent out to you for just two ninety five that comes through the door and you say, great, now I can shave. Some people out there that listen to the podcast might not have considered shaving before. I'm just thinking to myself... Who else is getting in on the act? Do you know who's getting in on I, I mean, my I, action? Because I'm going to run them out of town, to be quite honest with you. Okay, well, the Football Ramble are in trouble then. Are they? Yeah. It's a great podcast. I've never listened to it. I really I'm, enjoy it on a weekly you've been basis. on it, but it's since we started. Yeah. Passed them very quickly, though, so... Uh, but the, the problem is, there are probably many of you out there that pluck the hairs from your face right now. No, that's a stupid way of removing hair from your face. Shave it. It's much, much easier. Do you epilate your face ever? What's that? Do you know what epilating is? No. Epilating is where you... It's like a little machine which plucks the hair out. Really? People really do Really painful. When you can shave. 
You d- yeah, well, because shaving the hair obviously grows back, and that's yeah. great for men, but for women, it women, back women epilate hair. Do they? Yeah. I so see some women with tashes out there. I think we'll just get a razor on it. Well, uh, then this is perfect way? for those people. If Harry's. you are a woman out there who's got a tash, just yeah. harrys.com forward slash true Jordy. And you will get a really well, you'll get a well-rated ergonomic <laughs> razor handle. You'll get five fair. precision. You've a couple of ex-girlfriends, I might send this link to. <laughs> You've got five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip. Mm. You've got rich lathering foam the foam is nice it smells good mm. makes you smell good uh, a travel blade cover which is always nice and of course an all in a tidy little box and it's the box that you like I like it? the box mate I, yeah. love, I love the box to yeah. be honest if you I just shaved... thinking about which girlfriends I could send this link to because 295 is it 295 295 is almost I mean that's cheaper than a coffee there's no excuse to go out like that now yeah do you know what I not mean? for men, not for women. I'll tell you who could do with this, and I'm not even just. Do you know Craig Mitch? Yeah, he's got like a really poor tash. He's got not, like he's he's a handsome kid, obviously. He's I mean, really, he's doing well. He's working well. He's yeah, working with the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, two ninety five, mate. No excuses. Get yeah. rid of it. Do you like a clean shave? Do you, do, I like the look of a man who's properly clean shaven sometimes. Uh, like, to me, I'm all or nothing. I, I tend not to do the whole um, designer stubble thing. Do you know no. what I mean? So, it, and, and really, the way I do things, you're always going to need a razor because if you've got a beard, you need to shape that. Yeah. You need to keep it clean, tidy. And uh, that's where the razor comes in. You get the angles in, clean sweeps, make it look good around the jawline and, of course, down by the cheekbones. Uh, but also, if you're going clean shaven, then, you know, you need it. You need one. a great five-blade razor, which regardless is gonna... of what you're doing, you need a razor really. Because even if you've got designer stubble, you need to have a shaped. Do you know what I mean? Every exactly. man needs a razor, so why not go with me? And at the same time, the evil big corporations now trying to get in on it. Everyone else has copied Harry's Rumble. in a way. No, yeah. no, like the the you know the big boys, and they uh, they don't. We don't want to help them. We want to help Harry's. We're like the punk rock alternative. Do you know what I mean? We are punk rock so get yourself uh, in the same way that I think it was maybe uh, all the, the sex big, pistols the sex pistols as well I've got a t-shirt with sex pistols written across the back of it it's cool I've got a t-shirt with Harry's written across it I think they're Have very you? similar Have sentiments they sent something out? no no they're not sent anything it was you just, just go off your own back because you like them that much yeah or was it a Harry Potter t-shirt and you just put took the Potter off I just, and then added an S on uh, yeah and I and I and then I, instead of Potter I just uh, put Harry Potter razors tell you what just buy the razor yeah <laughs> <laughs> As much as I was good at school, I also remember a lot of adults. I sort of got a bit behind the curtain because my dad was a teacher as well. (coughs) And they would talk, you know, about people who are self-destructive and they just write kids off. Do you think you were one of those kids who was written off by the... Oh, fuck yeah. 100%, yeah. How did that... That must have felt pretty fucking shit at the time because it's clear that you're not that kind of character. There was a very defining moment in my life where... I was an absolute fucking class clown at school, you know, but I love to make people laugh. I was a, f- I think I was a funny guy. You know? <laughs> and um, it was toward, just before I was about to expel, and it was actually a substitute teacher that, that put me in my place, you know, and I was a fucking cock for him the whole class. And he, he, <laughs> and he said, Ed, just stay behind, mate. So all the class laughed. And this guy gave me the biggest bollocking of my life. You know, he literally pushing me in the chest and you fucking prick, sort your shit out. Who do you think you are? And he's like, what are you going to do when you're older? I was like, oh, I'm going to be, because uh, at the time, you know, swimming. I was like, I'm going to be an Olympic swimmer. The fuck is that, you fucking idiot? Mm. He said, well, what are you going to do if that doesn't work? Work at, you know, be a paper boy. And I was like, fucking hell. It really hit home. And I was like, fucking hell, I am, I am fucking up here. Mm. And it was about, I don't know, a month later I was expelled, you know, two months later I was expelled. So it, um, 
it fucking hit home. But it was, it, I think that, that that made a big change in my life. Where it was like, fuck. And that's when I heard the home tutoring and I made, made a real go with me. My exams did well. And uh, it went from there, really. Because it, uh, it's hard to ask this question without sounding disparaging of your parents, but I'm not asking it in that way. You say they're great parents. Most people, most you know, when you see a kid's expelled, people go, it's the parents. It must yeah. be the parents. So what makes you say the opposite of that? Because I'm not, I'm not passing judgment on them, but there must be a reason why they're good parents. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's my personality. I mean, I've, I've got a son now. He's just come up to five and he's got very severe ADHD. Can't keep fucking still. Can't keep his mouth shut. And I think I was the same. You know, I, I had some sort of... Some sort of unique autism where I just couldn't keep still, couldn't keep my mouth shut and, you know, and and, and abide by rules. And, and, and I think that genuinely... Because, you know, my two older brothers and they were fine. You know, they got in some shit. You know, of course they did, but nothing like I did nothing like and that's just I genuinely think I had some form of very unique autism in my own little mm-hmm. world where you know cause they get, people, autistic people get really weird traits you know and they do things and they, and they have to be driven and you know they have to concentrate on something and I think I was exactly they, the they same they think differently to regular think differently yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm diagnosed almost I'm relating a hell of a lot to you here I've got to mm. say I mean everyone who watches this regularly will, will know that I'm relating a lot to you because a lot of the things you're saying about yourself, I've said about myself and that, mm. without knowing it. And um, I just feel like sometimes people like like me and you, these types who have, they, they need to have something to tunnel this vision on and they need to channel this. Otherwise, if we see people every day who their lives are a fucking shit tip and I sometimes look at people and think, if I had not found YouTube or I had not channeled all of this in, that would be me. Mm. Like, And I know I came dangerously close to like because that it was just by chance that um i ended up here and do you ever do you ever think if they'd not found strongman like what the fuck would have happened to you sort of thing or if i'd have never found strongman i'd probably be like my dad stuck in a fucking rut working mm-hmm. a shit job for good money but just you know working till you're 65 missing all your your, your kids and wife and what to, to me you know that is if people want it, if people are happy with that, then they're fucking lying. Who the fuck wants to work till the sixty-five and nine to five? You know what I mean? That's a long fucking time, chunk of your life gone, isn't it? My plan when I got into strongman was I want to be retired by thirty. Mm-hmm. That was my plan all along, and I've pretty much stuck to it. Um, so I just yeah, the strongman definitely kept me going. If I if I never got into strongman. I'd be Joe Bloggs so I'd be like my dad I was going to say you two are almost quite lucky you were born in the time when you were because you were born in 88 same yeah yeah mm. so you two are quite lucky in the time you were born because it was before the time when people go that's ADHD or that kid's got a learning difficulty <laughs> yeah. and instead they just go he's fucking difficult get rid of him yeah whereas now like you say your son is diagnosed with, I don't know what it, specifically what he's diagnosed he's not with, been but, diagnosed okay. yet but um, I I, I, st- I I think he's got some sort of ADHD, maybe yeah. even autism. He's, he's yeah. very hard work at the minute, but he's you know he's still trying to settle into school life, and I can see so much of, of me in him. And but there's there's a few routes those kids go down, having seen because sometimes kids get told you've got ADHD, and then they go down that almost the dark side of ADHD route. They make an, a bad identity out of yeah. it. Whereas I'm ADHD, yeah, yeah. I can't do anything in life. Yeah. He's almost lucky to have a dad like you or go. 
I'm exactly the same as you yeah. and this is how we're going to deal with it do you know what I mean yeah yeah yes and, that, and that's exactly it so I mean, with my son now, we, we're just getting to that age where, well, I'm going to start getting him into some sports, mm. you know, whatever he wants. You know, I'll just get, make sure he's got all the backing, do whatever the fuck he wants. What's he taking And obviously, to? I've got a lot more time on my hands now. Yeah. A lot more. You know, all those years, basically the first four years of his life, I've been missing, and that's the God's honest truth. Mm. He's just turned five, and I can make up for it now. You, you know? can guide him to channel it, and so he's yeah, going to be I can, all right. I can, I can, but this is the... This is the this is the help I never had. Yeah. But actually it is. But Because I was forced into my swimming by my parents. Your mum was a swimming teacher. Yeah. So I think that was, luckily, their way of controlling me was get on with your swimming. How, is, um, how does your wife, obviously she's his main carer, how does she handle your son? Is it? Do you think it's difficult for us? Yeah, it is difficult. You know, he doesn't listen. He does what he wants. You put him to bed and he'll, he'll literally stay up till midnight mm-hmm. just throwing his toys around the room or <laughs> keep coming down want food or want drink mm-hmm. you know he, he's never, he hasn't gone be- to bed before 10 o'clock to this date yet he's just so active mm-hmm. and he'll get up in the morning he's, he's literally jumping around the room like Tigger mm-hmm. you know, he's nuts so but my wife's doing well mm-hmm. uh, genuinely well and she's a, she's a fantastic mother I got uh, quite emotional when I watched you uh, on the documentary like when you were like getting upset about it and that because uh, I don't know like I think it's probably the most the first time you'll ever watch a huge giant of a man getting that emotional especially over a woman like it's it's sort of it takes everyone back that I, I think it would have changed a lot of people's opinions about you as well yeah it's um were you embarrassed about that afterwards or were you just like you know this is me oh, that's me put me out there it's me it's uh it's just the way i am it's you know like like family's important family's very important yeah. There's no point being a big, a big a, a ignorant ogre, you know, or I'm Eddie Hall, I'm Will Strongest Man. I'm not, I'm a family man. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, by the sounds of it, I. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because actually it was a, it was, it's a touching moment, but it didn't feel disingenuous. You do see a lot of documentaries where people cry and you feel a bit like they've gone, we'll drop this bit here <laughs> to make it look now well, you, you like can it. tell yeah, it's yeah, holding yeah. on. You can tell there's, that's, it's, it's a really well-constructed documentary, I've got to say. How do you think your dad feels when he hears you say he's been stuck in a dead end job, or you know he wasn't that, the guy that I wanted? To I be? know my dad very well, and um, he wouldn't he wouldn't take that as an offence. No, but how do you how do you think it? Because at he's clearly very close with you. I mean, there's a very touching moment where he's at your event uh, that you've organised, mm. and he's clearly as proud as you are to be there on that day. Yeah, yeah is yeah. that the kind of relationship you have with him? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, me and my dad are dead close. You know, we spent loads of time together. He uh, he comes to all the strongman shows. It's just very supportive. But um, but yeah, I mean, regarding to to, he knows he's been stuck in a dead end job for twenty five years. Yeah, he said it himself. Yeah, you know, and when he quit, he quit his job a few years back actually, and uh, just from the sheer stress and strain of it, and the difference in him. Fuck, it was like a different person. Mm-hmm. It really was a different person. It went from being a you know a really sort of miserable, tired, middle-aged man to a man that was enjoying life. Yeah. Literally, you know, he started doing agency work now, and he, he earns probably ten times as much and works ten times less. So, 
and he's so much more happier. He's mm. so much more happy. It's nice to see because mm-hmm. I've grown up with a, with a guy that has literally sacrificed his whole life for me and my two brothers and, yeah. and my mum. So it's nice to see. When when you started progressing through the the weightlifting and you know you're getting into doing your competitions and that. At what point did you start gaining that confidence? Because I feel like for people who lift regularly, there's a, there's sort of a, a point where you just start gripping the bar a bit tighter. You start really knowing, all right, I can fucking push myself here and take this further. Um, was that when you were training with the older guy? Was it during that time or? I mean, the real confidence came when I won the first UK Strongest Man. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was the, the sort of defining moment where fucking hell, I've just won UK Strongest Man. I'm the strongest man in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it got knocked down when I went to Will Strongest Man 2012 and he, he, he fucked me I went in there as UK Strongest Man and I come out feeling like a little little girl genuinely Jesus. genuinely you know you saw Brian Shaw you saw Sejunas you saw Four and at the time I was 150 kilo something like that you know I, I don't know what that's about that. my size for I was about 24 it. stone yeah. thereabouts and I felt, tiny. I felt fucking, I did, I felt fucking tiny. Uh-huh. Genuinely felt tiny. You got, you know, four or six foot ten, 33 stone at the time. Wow. And I was just like, fuck, I've got 10 stone on me. And about, about six inches as well. Probably in that department today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. I've seen Four's cock as well. It's, it's, it's like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> That's an exclusive. He, he's yeah. pissed off at him, but he's still got to give him credit on his dick size. Yeah. That's Four's, when you know it's a good yeah, Four yeah. says the same thing back, though, so that's all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're all agreeing here. We've all got 10-inch dicks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the story, and we're sticking to it. All of us. Yeah. And so what is interesting, though, is, is when you first go into that environment, it is... Uh, that's what I'm interested in is uh, how do you fit into that because again it's a room full of alpha males yeah, and you're almost one of the pretenders well I wasn't the alpha male when I went to the worlds no. didn't feel the alpha male at but all but you must have turned up thinking you were yeah fuck it I thought I was going to dominate yeah. I thought I was going to make the final and do good you know mid range but fuck me I got slaughtered you I won, I won, a, won a couple of events you know I won the Viking press and the squat I yeah. believe but then on the like the you know the yoke with the Saturdays uh-huh. just last basically yeah. four fifth sixth. Did you feel like the new kid at school a bit like yeah, when you went? Yeah, in? I just felt a bit out of place. But you got to bear in mind to this point, the only strongman training I'd done was strongman contests, yeah. and I'd probably done ten contests to that point. Um, I was still training as a bodybuilder. I got in my mind, I'm not going to start training strongman events until I'm super fucking mega strong. Yeah. You know, build the basics, the squat, the bench, the deadlifts. Until I've got them right up there, I'm not going to start training strongman. And that's exactly what I did. 2013, I was first reserve for the Worlds. So I just missed out on the final. And that's when I started. That's when I thought, fuck, I can make this. I can win the world's strongest man. And it's when I came back from there, I started training strongman. I joined um, Strength Asylum, um, the current gym now. And, uh, you know, I bought some strongman kit, invested a bit of money, like, you know, yokes, yolk logs, all that kind of crap, and at the stones, and, and got on with it every day. You know, I'd train legs, and then I'd do yoke. I'd train chest, and then I'd do log. I'd train back, and then I'd do stones every day. I'd do my training as I would normally would, and then I'd do event training. Yeah. So I incorporated it. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. The thing that, that kept me going the most was seeing improvement week in, week out. Literally every week, I'd come in and do another rep on, you know, 200 kilo bench. Every week, I'd be like seven reps. Next week, I'd do eight. Next week, I'd do nine. 
and then I'd up it to 220 and then I'd be, you know, it just constant. I mean, I loved it. I loved mm. the improvements. One of the events that you're most famous for now is the deadlift. Uh, was that just day one beast, like just naturally great at that? I was, I was never the best at deadlifting. Mm. You know, when I, I say, I think 2014, my PB was 400 kilo at the start of 2014. And then they announced the world deadlift champs. And I thought to myself, what the fuck can I do to, to, to sort of win that? You know, because at the minute I can only pull 400 kilo. So I heavily researched deadlifting techniques, programs. I did a lot of stealing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I studied Andy Bolton and Betty Magnuson heavily, studied Brian Shaw's technique and uh, the programs. I, I basically wrote my own programs out and. Uh, stuck to them to a T fuck me they worked <laughs> yeah. just just for general thinking I, I realized that the human body can't recover from a deadlift uh, this the, the back end of 10 days yeah. so if you're coming in every week and deadlifting heavy every seven days you're never recovering so that's when I got in my head right so if I do a heavy deadlift session I need to do a week of speed deadlifts to help me recover mm -hmm. so one week when you're doing the heavy weights, nice and slow, you're training the slow twitch fibers. And then the next week when you're doing speed reps, you're training the fast twitch fibers. And that's when I realized you've got two sets of fibers in your muscles, mm -hmm. in all your muscles. You've got to train them both. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I did a week of speed and a week of heavy. And I did that for six months and my deadlift went up to 460 kilo in six months. So that, that speed, obviously, is the acceleration off the floor. Yeah. And then, the, and then when you're dragging that's, that's it. That's the hardest bit. If, uh, you can, if you can snatch it off the floor and get it uh, to bite your knee high, you've got it. Yeah. You've fucking got it. And, uh, and I've noticed, because I've looked at your technique quite a bit, because uh, Benny's d totally different to you. His, uh, yeah. I look at his and I'm just like, fucking hell, that looks mm. painful, that. Like, uh, and I actually... I think that that is one of the main reasons why you got 500 and he didn't as well is because your technique is so much better than his in my yeah, opinion yeah. you you seem to deadlift like a like a small man who's been blown up if that yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah, yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean you've got perfect technique yeah. um, so that makes complete sense so how did you when you did the the 4-6 um, was it the 4-6-1 four, four, where you six, dropped yeah. it one, yeah. um, I know you sort of covered that on the documentary but uh, what we didn't get to see is you really the days afterwards and that what was it like when they sort of taken that away from you it was very dark very depressed you know it was a man, uh, massive climax to, to that show mm -hmm. and obviously pulling a world record and then to have it stripped mm -hmm. it was tough you know I nearly I nearly thought to myself fuck you know what's the point it just, just felt so pointless after that mm -hmm. but that, that that weekend I pulled that deadlift was the flick switch moment in my career so I literally got back that weekend and uh, said to the wife, well, the wife said to me, actually, if you can if you can do a world record deadlift, you can be the best in the world at deadlifting, then why the fuck can't you be the world's strongest man? You've just proved you're the best at something. Now go out and fucking win the worlds, be the best at that. It feels like Adrian and Robbie <laughs> yeah, this like, yeah. I'm getting proper and, chills. <laughs> and I sort of said, you know what, you're fucking right. You are right. And it was literally that, that so that was the Saturday, the Monday, I never went back into work. I rung in work. Uh, uh, did six months sick pay. Mm. Fuck you, Muller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it was literally around that time that I thought, fuck it, I'm going to turn pro. If you have to take loans out, 
and, and, and borrow money, I'll do it. But luckily this was the time that I met my manager and during that sick leave period, he, he, he promised me to sort me out and that's when that's when it happened. So it was the it was the deadlift that actually defined my 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 career. You know, it was that if it had been given that lift maybe all this never ever happened and I wouldn't have had the fire in my belly. Yeah. It was the fact that I had it stripped that it made feeling. me fucking angry. It's also but, very public. It was a very public thing mm. to have. Well, thousands of people watching it. Went yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there was 5,000 people oh. probably in those Yeah, stands. there was about 5,500 people there yeah. on the day, yeah. 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 And, and then obviously like, also your peers yeah. directly yeah. in front of you, directly to the side, cheering you on. Because there's that camera angle from the side as well when you're picking it up. They're actually cheering you on yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit like uh, what you said about Europe's as well. If I hadn't, if I'd won Europe's, maybe I wouldn't have pushed myself as hard as I yeah. did. So when that happened, you didn't get that five hundred. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about? Because that was, uh, in my opinion, the most watched weightlift of yeah, any type. Hundreds of millions in hundreds in their history. Yeah. There's not even close. Every I'm, I'm going into the gym, little old ladies, old men talking yeah. about. Eddie Hall 500 like yeah. what was that like so the, I think it was the year after that I did the 463 kilo at Europe's mm -hmm. and I pulled it so fucking easily mm -hmm. that I just decided there and then I'm going to pull 500 kilo um, and I, you know I made it public I was like if anyone wants to put the money up front I'll fucking pull 500 kilo and that's pretty much what happened you know Protein Dynamics put the money up and uh I, I fucking went for it and I, I, I still train for World's Strongest Man but I put my heart and soul into my deadlift sessions and I put my heart and soul into the, the physio the recovery the stretching everything fucking everything was landing on that one day that was a def it, it set me up for life that 500 kilo did it really did in no other way anything ever could mm. because nobody can take that from you and it in my in my eyes in my mind Pulling that 500 kilo would would have made me the strongest man in history ever, and that's why I wanted it. And and all the naysayers on the 500 was was the worst I've ever had. Really, I've never I've never seen such negative beforehand when you when you were trying to do it. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen such such negativity. Like in, what were they saying in the sport? So. Where's it, where's it coming from? Because Facebook, are, yeah, Facebook, general chit chat uh, in the gym. You know, because I was very open about it. You know, every week I'd be like, I can't wait to pull that 500 kilo off the ground and leg press the world away from me and all that kind of <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, just, just just bigging myself up so much. You know, the, the, like, I don't I don't walk on this planet. I spin the planet beneath my feet. <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and just the backlash from that was like, this guy hasn't got a chance in fucking hell. You know, like, more me everybody every comment saw like possibly 470 maybe 475 but no way 500 and every every single comment I read I was like let's fucking keep it coming keep it coming mm. and it really did fire me it got me so fucking angry that people said it wasn't possible mm. and I knew in the back of my mind it was I knew it was going to be dangerous and I knew it was a big risk to take but I wanted that strongest man in history status to, to rewind a little bit, have we skipped a step where you lift in front of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's cheering you on at the yeah, side? Yeah, that, that, was that was the that was the four sixty two. four sixty two. Yeah, four sixty two. Where yeah. you just finished another competition in America. You yeah. flew to Australia the next day. 
wake up and they, they give you a call and say, we've got the world record right here. Mm-hmm. Come on and break it. Basically how it happened, yeah. So went from Arnold's America. So I did the Arnold's in, in Ohio. Of course, yeah. Um, that didn't go how you'd want. Didn't go how I wanted. Um, just didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to train for the event. Not making excuses. The Britain's Strongest Man was a month and a half before, yeah. and I couldn't train for the Arnold's. Simple fact. And you have to train. You can't lift seven hundred kilo yoke on your back without fucking training for mm-hmm. it. But you were still gutted by that, weren't you? you oh, I was gutted. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted really to strong. fucking win the fuck. You know, I go into every contest to win, and if I don't, it's massively disappointing and, and, and sends me in a massive depression. Yeah. So on the back of that. I was asked to go to Australia, literally flew from America to Australia. Three flights. Three flights, landed, and then the organiser, Tony Doherty, who, I think it was the first time the Arnolds had ever come to Australia, you know, he wanted to impress Arnold. So we asked the strongman team, what can we do? And, and Colin was like, well, Eddie, will, you know, we'll get someone to pull a world record deadlift. And I think, from, from memory serves right, I think he asked Brian before me, right. in all honesty. That's not the way it's told in the documentary. Yeah, I know, but I think yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah, what did and Brian I think, say? And I think Brian <laughs> sort of said, no fucking chance, I'm fucked. So he asked me, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'll try it. I'll fucking go for it. Did you know Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be there on the day? Yeah, yeah, that was okay. the point. It was, I knew he was going to be there, but the timing was just up in the air. So it was 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, You've got to pull world record deadlift. So we went there, we did it. We're doing the warm-ups, doing the lifts. And then it's like, fuck me, it's like he's running late. And I'm like, right, sorry guys. I said, I've got to do it now or so it's not going to happen. So I just got on with my lift. And just as I strapped onto the bar, Arnold fucking came around the corner. I was so zoned out, I didn't even know he was there. Mm-hmm. Did the lift, smashed it down. And then in the celebration, realised who the fuck was stood there. And it was just, it was just fucking incredible. Because he's shouting at you, isn't he, from the right yeah, side? Yeah, I didn't Go even, on. I didn't even know he was there. Honestly, wow. it wasn't until I did the lift, dropped it, and sort of doing the celebration afterwards. I just spotted him. I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, because like, the wow. footage you pull away, and you almost go the opposite way to him. Yeah, I was just going to go celebrate with the crowd exactly. and fucking smack everyone in the face. You, you know, see the look on your face when you recognise him, and you start going towards him. And it's like, "What do I do now?" Yeah, it's yeah. a really great moment. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible, and it's great because afterwards he interviews and he says, uh, you, "You had another ten in you." And you can see there's a light bulb in your head that goes, yeah, I did actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least. Yeah, at, at least, least another yeah. 10. You son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was a, it was a fucking lovely moment in my life, that was. That's to, a movie to, moment. To, uh, you know, I met Arnold before that, but yeah. for him to actually sort of look at me and recognise me and see me as someone, he, he, you know, pay attention to me was, yeah. was fucking nice. Yeah. Really nice. Because he is, he's the biggest star on the planet in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And to blow away your idol for him to admire you yeah yeah exactly it's, it's one of those moments where you're like fucking hell yeah. I've looked up to you my whole life and now you're admiring me mm. that's how far I've come yeah it was good it was nice it's not, but then obviously there's quite a, that's a big number 500 is a massive number and that's a mm. big distance from 462 that, that, that actually is one of the own like the 500 because I wasn't really frightened for you as a fan mm. of you when you did four uh Four six three. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just Eddie. That's what he does. But five hundred, mate. And you pulled that bar up and you did it fast. Yeah. You put that that speed work has definitely paid off because you, you mm. ripped it off the floor. But it's when the pit blood's pissing out and he's like, and he's your fucking heads just. It, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. That is the most frightening weightlift I've ever seen. It was mm. like 
it was almost like uh, one of those snuff movies do you yeah, know what I mean yeah, like yeah. Jesus like what's going on well the, the footage they showed wasn't actually the, the face that the face they showed was from the 463 was it 465 the lift before because on the 500 they couldn't show it on TV because there was actually there was so much more blood coming out my face it was oh. coming out my eyes my ears my nose it was fucking everywhere fucking hell could you so, feel that at the time um, no you're just absolutely in the I zone adrenaline I was just focused on that lift um, got it to the top and I just remember looking at the crowd and then just waking up on the floor right and literally I aren't kidding you a puddle of blood like the size of a 14 inch pizza on the ground I was just like fuck you know in and out of consciousness um, you know everyone's, everyone's saying to Ed just, just get up and, and fucking make, make out you're alright to the crowd so I took every ounce of strength for me to get up and do a little speech went back and I just collapsed yeah. I was fucking gone mm-hmm. um, paramedics were on me blood pressure was over 200 pulse was like 180 just everything was just fucking going into into shock basically mm-hmm. Um but no injuries that's what I, I was expecting to rip my fucking hamstring off or something and nothing bit of a sore back the next day but nothing at all it was um, and, and since then you've said you think you can go like 500 plus yeah yeah I, I, I genuinely um, I, I genuinely think I could I could pull sort of 550 550 550 without bleeding or <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, there'd be, there'd, 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 be, there'd, be, lot, there'd be a lot of bloodshed. Okay. He's like, can we do it without but, the blood uh, next yeah, time, yeah. Eddie? Would you find me shirt on? Just less blood. blood. Less blood is good. But um, how I felt on that day, I perhaps could have pulled five fifteen, maybe five twenty. Would have wow. been an absolute fucking maximum. I'd have still. It wouldn't matter if it had been four ninety, four eighty. I'd have still have passed out and whatever. Anyway, it was right. just the. It was the length I held it there where I fucked myself up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, on the months afterwards, I just, I just got this this sort of mega m- mega drive when I was doing my deadlift sessions. Like I've done five hundred now, what what can I do now? And my sessions were just got, every week was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, and then obviously at the worlds in the final, I pulled I pulled an X amount of weight and I made it look so fucking easy in two thousand this year's seventeen. Yeah. And uh, everyone, they asked me after, was like, what do you think you could pull right now? I was like, put 540 on the bar, I'd fucking whip it up. Wow. And that's how I felt. I generally felt that fucking strong. Mm. How did the other strongmen react once you come round and they were talking? Were they hyped for you or, or were any of them jealous? Or Because you've just, um, like you say... And again, it's all mixed emotions. Uh-huh. It's, uh, you know, every, I think most people came up and shoot my hand in, in absolute fucking shock. Because they just couldn't believe I'd done it. Mm. it. Because they know what that's like to try and lift that weight. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I've spoke to loads of people about it. And, and even people like Colin Bryce, who organised the fucking thing. Mm. He said, to, I said, did you actually think I was going to pull it? In all honesty, I didn't think you were. No. And that's, you know, and that's the guy who, who, who bigged up the promotion. and He's the one who's supposed to believe in you more than anyone. He's supposed to believe in me more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um... Nobody, I don't think anyone believed I was going to do it deep down. Nobody thought it was possible. And that, and that is quite humbling. For them to say that mm-hmm. it, it is in a way wanking me off. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is. It's like, yeah. well, fucking hell, Ed. You That's would, a fucking good wank, right? You, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, um, it's just what... <laughs> for someone to say, you've done, you've done, like, I never thought that was possible. Yeah. Fuck me. And it's like, you know, the grinning from ear to ear to hearing that. Because you're breaking... 
down perception of what is possible for a fucking human being to do like yeah. it's not just lifting with, like someone hitting a PB you're like you're literally setting PBs for humanity yeah. at this well, point and, and that's it and, and you know I, I, people say who else is capable of doing that and I, there is people capable but do you think anyone's going to pull for over 500 in, in my lifetime I, at this point I can't see it happening I generally can't see it happening I don't think that's going to be broken for a while that's part of it isn't it but what and that's why I wanted it that's yeah. what, uh, it was the magic number it was the 500 yeah like you know they were effing and ahhing before the show because Brian Shaw wouldn't come over because there was no there was no weight in between 465 and 500 you know, like, you know, why don't you just even the even the the the, the directors of the show were like, why don't we just put a, you know a four seventy five or a four eighty in there, just just so just so you know, like a fail safe. Yeah. I was like, no. I was like, fuck Brian Shaw. I was like, if he doesn't want to come and try the five hundred, what well, I'm not having you sort of put a, a weight in, like you, you put a weight in at say four eighty, he pulls that, and then I fail the five hundred. Where's the fairness in that? Yeah. I said I want five hundred kilo. I want to. I want to know how much I can fucking do. So then that's how it went. Basically, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, Benny wanted to do it. Benny was fairly confident he was going to do it. But um, I think it was. We had a training session three or four weeks before up at Darren Sadler's gym, and uh, we we were sort of winding each other up, and you know playing mind games there was just one one moment where Benny was he was very chirpy for the whole session you know very happy and and whatever and then we got into the banter and it was like so Eddie how do you think you're going to feel when I pull the 500 and I was like I was like Benny cut the bullshit I said do you know what I see in your eyes right here right now what I was like I see me pulling 500 kilos and he just I just saw his body language change like mm-hmm. I was like got him yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm so good at mind games. I've got the fucking. Hell. It's yeah. like a fight in many respects. It's not like yeah, that McGregor style shit. The mental stuff is the, is the mm. most is the most important thing in these sort of things. And when I saw that reaction of his, that in itself made me gain more confidence because I knew that he believed I could do it. Mm. And and Benny said to me after he says, "I knew you were going to do that 500." I said I just didn't know you were going to do it so fucking fast mm-hmm. and that in itself was fucking humbling that was nice to hear it's also it's interesting because I think the perception of uh, Britain or England before that was very different in the world's strongest man wasn't it it was sort of like you guys were the, you were the nearly rans you know well done you almost bit like, got there a bit but, like in the football but, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It, but it, it was a little bit it was a little bit like thanks but the Vikings are here now do you know yeah. what I mean and now yeah. you're the ones who are no I'm serious that's, true, huh? that's the way they saw people yeah. and it was like and you're redefining the way that people see Britain essentially mm. as 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 a as a as a nation because you're leading the way rather than sort of being like what they're doing is nice I might do the same yeah yeah well I mean that's it I mean the title hasn't been in the, the in the UK for 24 years yeah and that's a long time it's a long time not to have a title and you know and and I think I genuinely believe that once that's aired at Christmas on you know, January first that, that every fucker's going to want to be a strongman yeah. You watch the gyms fill up with people mm. lifting logs and, and out the stones. There'll be a big demand. And it's like the rugby, when when we won the Rugby World Cup. Everyone all of a sudden wanted to yeah. play rugby. It, it boosted the sport. Mm. People uh, are going to want a piece of you. Yeah. Yeah, show them the money. Yeah, That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big offer as I'll go to yeah. your first, I'll yeah. 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 right. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I, I think I've I've just brought the sport back to life for, yeah. for the UK. Yeah. 
one thing that is unbelievable for me, mate, is the fact that you, you, you hit this goal and you just you're saying, Oh, I'm gonna do more, I'm gonna keep on going, what what else can I do now? Um that state of mind that you've got is I think that's what makes you different to all these because genetically you don't strike I mean your static strength is fucking insane but what I mean is that you look at the other lads and you'd maybe say oh maybe other guys should be stronger than you mm. in theory but up here you've got so much more determination than them it seems anyway yeah it's um thing is with, with, with any sport hard work always beats gifts it mm. always beats talent mm-hmm. always you know you, you could uh, like four he's six foot ten He's probably a natural twenty-five stone without even fucking trying. You know, a great actor. Yeah, great actor. Honorage. <laughs> um, He's yeah. got that as well. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it, you put me and him together. You put a side by side, and it just seems, you know. But for the eye, he, he looks stronger than I am. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, it's it's that hard work and dedication. I've made sure that's not the case. I've made sure I'm the strongest. And that that proved at world's strongest man. You know, there was no there was no stone unturned with me. Nothing, nothing. I mean, four four in previous years made excuses. They'd done too much film work and sacrificed this, sacrificed that. This year he had no excuses because he said he said he put everything aside. And I was exactly the same. I turned down film work. I turned down appearances. Lost thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds. If I'm being honest, you think you may take them up in the future? Yeah, now. But um, but all that all that money, all that fame, uh, you know, I, I could I could have possibly could have done what Ford done, but I've got the world's strongest man title now, and to me that's way more important. And all those film roles and appearances will be repaid tenfold mm-hmm. for that one title. So it was worth making all those sacrifices. So in between, I think you came third, and then uh, winning world's strongest man. Yeah. Um, did that year just go? Just perfectly to plan. Fucking perfect. Yeah. No accidents, no injuries. And, and, and I said I come back from 2016 and I, I invested in the hyperbaric chamber. Um, and that was a big difference, you know. I mean, what, what does that do? What's what's and um, do you feel different? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a hyperbaric chamber is. Um, I mean, to be honest, Google it. You know, yeah, it's so hard to describe. It's basically better oxygen. It, it, it's used for diving, ironically. Yeah, which it's, it's, it's I used to be a diver. Well, there we go. So, yeah. so but the basic, you know, and I spoke to a professor in America who actually uses this on athletes. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically a chamber that you get into and it's pressurised. Now, a normal chamber you see on TV, they depressurise it to put less oxygen in there so you produce more red blood cells. Yeah. This is the opposite. Yeah. So you pressurise it. I was pressurising it to 27 PSI, which is just under two atmospheric bars, uh, atmospheric pressures. Um, So it's basically like being 15, 20 metres underwater and deep sea. Mm -hmm. And with that pressure, I was then force feeding in oxygen, Mm -hmm. I think it's 95% pure oxygen through a mouthpiece. Right. And all that pressure, so everything's open. All I've got is a, like a snorkel mouthpiece in my mouth. Yeah. I'm just breathing oxygen and it's, and it's been sucked out as well. So it's in and out. Um, and basically, whilst, whilst, I'm, whilst I'm in the chamber breathing this pure oxygen, all the pressures, like 25 PSI pressures, forcing the oxygen into the muscles where it wouldn't normally get to. 
So all those little, you know, capillaries and arteries and whatever, it's getting to those areas, hence oxidizing the muscle and repairing. Yeah. One hour in the chamber is the same as having 12 hours out. Yeah. So if you're doing an hour every single day in the chamber, you're getting three and a half days extra recovery on everybody else. And that's exactly what I was doing. So I was getting another three and a half days recovery on every other athlete. Does it feel good? It's not nice. Right. I'll be honest. You know, it's like, um, it's claustrophobic. You know, I'm not claustrophobic, but when you're in a tank mm -hmm. on your own, I was literally doing it at 12 o'clock at night, you know, I get in a tank and there's no locks on the door because the pressure seals the door. Wow. So if you panic and want to get out, you've got to release the pressure and you can't release the pressure too fast. Because yeah. you get the bend. Because you get the bends. Mm. You know, you could literally blow your eardrums out and, and, and blow your lungs up. He's a scientist. So it was dangerous, you know, mm. and I made this kit with, with an engineer. I built it myself. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, it's not exactly medically um, passed, as yeah. they say. Um, so it's fucking dangerous. It was, but I was willing to take the risk. You know, and I read all the horror, horror stories of people dying in these chambers, you yeah. know, going, going a bit too far. And um, and also, the, the because because you, you, you're inhaling oxygen, and although I had it, the, you know, the carbon dioxide and the excess oxygen sucked back out, there's a good chance that that was getting into the chamber. Yeah. And if it oxidizes the chamber, if you create a little spark, bang. And I'm not kidding you, you could blow up the whole fucking street. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's that dangerous. So... You know, I had to earth it to the ground and all. I was so careful, but yeah. it was a big risk. That, Do you that get just shows. Hmm? Do you get a little high off the oxygen? Um, <clears throat> just a weird feeling. You, you'd come out and feel a bit lightheaded, but then you wake up the next morning. You'd be like, you, you'd be like, you've had a week off. Yeah. You know, it'd be pretty good. You could tell the difference in the recovery. Yeah. That just shows the the extent you're willing to go, though. Doesn't yeah. It? Oh fuck yeah. That is um, the fullest. Yeah. Well, I say, and, and and I had to take a loan out to buy that thing. It mm. was fucking expensive, mm. you know. And um, stuff like the physio. That's when I'm going to come back from the world's 2016. That's when I opened the physio. I was doing, you know, over 200 quid a week in physio. Mm. The food bill went up to 250 quid a week. What was an, like an average day, like food wise? Because I know everyone's like, I've had loads of tweets All about right, food. what does he eat and stuff like that. So it'd be instances where I'd set alarms at 6 a.m get up, have a litre protein shake with bananas, coconut oil, nuts, you know, protein powder, about 1,500 calories. I'd go back to bed. I'd get up at, say, half eight. I'd have a full, full English breakfast, loads of sausage, bacon, loads of good fats, lo you know, loads of coconut oils. I'd have beef jerky, I'd have toast, I'd have loads of fruit. No, honestly, huge breakfast, probably 2,500 calories just for breakfast. Uh, a litre of cranberry juice there's 500 calories in a litre of cranberry juice 11 a.m it'd be a you know 100 gram of cashew nuts dinner time it'd be spag but you know steak chicken pastas rice big portions three four hundred grams of meat and about half a kilo of carbs uh pudding would be half a family cheesecake and that that's like 2,000 calories in itself yeah Cons behind the camera yeah. just looking look at his lips like I could get into this to be, to be fair Cons also saying yeah. that's what I eat in a day but I just don't yeah, do yeah. any of the exercise <laughs> around um, I'd then go back to bed yeah the morning would, would be spent doing physio and stretching yeah. I'd then go back to bed after dinner I'd have a couple hours kip because I, I needed it mm. uh, for the recovery and then I'd get up about three o'clock and I'd eat again and you know I'd have a, a couple of tuna sandwiches I'd have flapjacks loads of fruit and I'd eat that on the journey to the gym so I'd go to the gym on a full stomach 
because I train for four hours I need to eat you know I need to eat a lot can you are you conditioned yourself because I, I like to normally eat like I don't know an hour before I go you get used uh, to you it. Just yeah, used I to have it. to train on a full stomach yeah. otherwise I've got, no energy. Yeah, I've got no energy so yeah, it'd be a four-hour training session. During that four-hour training session, it'd be two hours of cram, uh, two liters of cranberry juice wow. with carb powder. So there's a thousand calories each with the carb powder. Does that carb powder taste good? No, but it's yeah. it's necessity, you know. So there's two thousand calories just in cranberry juice. Um, towards the end of the session, I'd have you know three quarters towards the end of my session. I would oh no sorry halfway through my session, I'd eat raw steak. Right. So literally pieces of raw steak, just get them in. Natural aminos, natural protein. I didn't expect you to say that. It's hardcore, but it, it, there's nothing better than a piece of raw steak when you're training because it's it's all the aminos, the creatines, are all in there. That's like um, Robbie's eggs, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, the, yeah. This is a story. Three quarter towards the end of the session, I'd then be, be, you know start having a protein shake, and that'd be a liter of basically Guernsey milk, yeah. you know, some cream basically with protein powder. That'd be fifteen hundred calories. After training, it'd be a liter of coconut water. To replenish the electrolytes. I hate that stuff. It's disgusting. Got to drink it because you sweat so I've much. never tasted yeah. cum, but that's what I imagine cum would taste like. Fucking <laughs> 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 fucking liter of it. I just yeah. want to put that out. I've never tasted cum. Yeah. That, is, that is definitely yeah. what it would taste. All three people around this table have never tasted it. <laughs> right? Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, and then it'd be back to like uh, the health spa where I go to, and I'd stretch for an hour. I'd do my hot cold treatments for an hour. And then I'd come home and I'd be tea and that'd be spag ball, curry, the other half of the family cheesecake. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go in my hyperbaric chamber for an hour and that'd be that'd be 11 o'clock and that'd take me till about half 12. And then I'd, I'd, I'd go to bed with protein bars and, you know, and that was it, mate. It was just a constant, that was 24 seven. And I'd, I'd get up and repeat that every fucking day. You must have your own day. fridge. Yeah, I've got a big American fridge. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's always full of food. I think the people who achieve the most in their life, usually, unless they're just like an artist or something like that, but people who go on to do great things, the routine seems so key. Like, yeah. like uh, I followed Dorian Yates in the bodybuilding game, and he's a big uh, mm. uh, speaker for that. And just generally, you've just conditioned your body to just be in a machine. Like, you don't even... It's not really you, is it, at that point? No, it's... it's like, um and, and, and obviously let's get on to the dangers of it you yeah. know it was fucking risky mm-hmm. um, I mean I, I, at my peak I think at Europe's strongest man this year I was 30 and a half stone what are you now? Uh, about 29 right yeah um, so yeah and, and, and fuck me did I feel bad it was a dark place yeah you can't sleep you can't walk far you can't put your socks on liver and kidney I was having blood tests my liver and kidney markers were on the brink Um, my blood was like sludge because you just I just you just can't get all the crap I was putting in my body you know the blood was was so thick was it hard doing because obviously static strength tends to be where you're strongest but Mm. uh, and I know you've come a long way in the other events but it's 30 and a half stone like running around what the fuck man it must have been a nightmare it was hard man um and then I think it was ten days before Europe's strongest man. I uh, overdosed on it was magnesium. Yeah, it was overdosed on magnesium. No potassium. Oh. Sorry, overdosed on potassium. Ten days before Europe's strongest man, and uh, basically I took an ambulance out and fucking having really bad heart palpitations, skipping beats, and uh, it was. 
it was to the point where, so I was in bed when it happened and my, my heart rate was about 140 beats per minute and I thought, fucking something's not right here. So I went downstairs and I got the missus come down with me just to watch over me. And then the pulsometer dropped, started dropping to like 130, 110, 100, 90, 80. And I'm like, oh, this, this, something's not right here. My heart rate dropped to 30 beats per minute. And I felt dead lightheaded, and I thought, you know, I thought it was going to keel over. I was like, we're in the ambulance, ambulance come out. The heart rate went back up to like, you know, went back up to 130, 140. They came out, did ECG. They basically said that, that you're not having a heart attack, mm -hmm. but all we can see is your potassium levels are through the roof. And I was like, can you really tell that from an ECG? They're like, yeah, you, you, you can tell your potassium levels were like off the scale. Wow. And then I clicked. It's because I was sweating so much on the lead up to York, because I was so heavy. I was drinking so much coconut water, potassium tablets, salt tablets. Fuck me. And I basically just overdosed on potassium and it nearly fucking, nearly did me. Yeah. And uh, basically for that week, that 10 days leading into Europe, so I had to go on, a, you know, basically a potassium free diet. And I was, I was quite fucking bad. It made me really ill. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was the lead up to Europe's. And uh, I was luckily just on the day I was like, you know, me and the doctor were like, mm, you're just about well enough to compete. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. fucking skin of my teeth. Which is again what people don't see on the don't see finished polished program. Because yeah. I think at the same time, when I see you lifting the, I don't know, you've got the, the stuff over your shoulders, whatever you're lifting, mm. you think of yourself as a, like someone like me, you know, 12 stone, lifting that and being like, well, I could easily walk that distance. But like you're saying, it's tricky to walk long distances for you guys. It's yeah. not particularly pleasant. No, no, is it fuck? Yeah. And, um, you know, like family days out were just a no-no. Yeah. You could, I couldn't even go. Um, Do you ever just think of getting a golf cart and just sort of fucking yeah. just drive oh, around? Yeah, love one, love one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't go on walks with the dog or anything. Um, obviously, like Alton Towers and that was just out of the question. Yeah. That kind of stuff. It was just, 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 just a fucking dark place. Yeah. So bad, visions of you, bad visions of you at Alton Towers. Oh, fuck me. It's pardon for me, mate. Um, the guy who's fitting you in that fucking harness must well, be yeah, like, Well, yeah, I don't go any of the rides. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just more for the kids. But, yeah. when, when it comes to, like, your health and that, and now you're, like, a very driven and brave bloke, and to a, to a degree, you've, had, you've got to block that out as well because you, you want to get this weight off the floor. But equally, uh, and I know it's a different sport, but they are weightlifting uh, in the training. You hear um, Rich Piana's just died, mm. uh, Dallas McCarver. I know you'll you'll know. Uh, I think you probably met Rich, have you? Piana, uh, Rich Piana. No, no, no. Uh, but he's at all the conventions. I know or he is. Yeah. Um, do, do any of the lads have um, like have you ever seen anything where lads have passed that, uh, away uh, like because I know there was in your documentary yeah was, was a lad on the floor saw wasn't a lad, close. saw a lad have a heart attack mm. right in front of me and I watched him get get resuscitated which was uh, very hard to watch mm -hmm. but I felt as though I had to you know and um, it, it just shows the dangers of the sport but the thing is with me and, and I say it in the documentary many times if you don't see me on that number one spot the world's strongest man I ever died trying or a doctor told me to stop and uh, believe me a top doctor told me to stop many a time mm -hmm. many a time a blood nutritionist told me to stop my, doc, my, my own doctor told me to stop um, and then the, and the, the, the real big one was the 10 days before Europe's when I had that fucking episode and the, you know all the paramedics like you, there's no way you can fuck it you should be in bed for a month from this you know it's really really bad on the body and uh, I went you know I just thought to myself I can't I've got six weeks till the world's strongest man at that point and I said fuck it if I die I die 
and that was my attitude I was like I'm no way am I giving up I said I've got six weeks if I die I die and there was that, that in my head that was my last whether I won it came second third whatever that was my last go and as much as I respect that attitude, is there a, was there a bit of you that you ever felt guilty towards your, like your son and yeah, your wife? Yeah, of course. But then there was also the other side of me that was like, if I, if I didn't go for that last shot and I didn't win it, that I, how could I look in the mirror every day and see a successful man and be proud of myself mm-hmm. and, and, be, and be a role model for my kids? I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's probably... <clears throat> that's probably what spurred me on more than anything mm-hmm. is the thought of letting down my children mm-hmm. you know I'd rather take the risk it, it's the good old saying you know you could spend you could spend 70 years as a sheep or 50 years living as a lion mm-hmm. which would you rather mm-hmm. I'd rather do the 50 years living as a lion mm-hmm. and that's that's why I took the risks mm-hmm. so how in I know you can't say like the events exactly what happened but how did you find that year, the the final year, um, started off. It, it was um, I mean, the, the the events were quite suited to me, but there were some events in there that were fucking shit. Um, you know, I think my fir- the first event I came fifth on. <coughs> I'm gonna see what it was, but then you know, and then I picked it up. You know, um, but yeah, it was all I can say is it was a tough fucking battle, really tough battle, and there were some points where. I thought, fuck, I've lost this. And then, but then there were some points where I was like, fucking all my luck's in, the stars are aligned. And uh, it, it, it all just happened. It just, everything went perfect. In reality, even though I didn't win every event, everything went perfect. Can you remember the exact moment when you knew you'd won it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say, I can't, I'm, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't talk about that, but <laughs> you'll see, you'll, you'll see. And I think I just say it to camera, you know, I knew when I'd won it. I knew when I'd won it, and it wasn't wasn't the last event when I knew it. I wanted to ask what you were like mm. after competition because uh, obviously you're in a relationship. You know, do, does your wife have to leave you alone for a little while, mm. or are you sort of? So uh, before competitions, I was like a cage lion. Yeah, you know, you couldn't you, if you if you interrupted my schedule, if you made me miss a meal or a training session or a physio session, you were fucking getting your head ripped off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how it was with my wife. If she, you know, if if the littlest thing was out of place, if if she forgot the cabbage on a meal, the fucking cabbage go up the wall. Yeah. But that you just get because you get so worked up towards events because there's so much pressure on you. Mm. Um, after the events, it's it, it, it's 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 depression. Right. It's all it. Is. After it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's depression because. You've you've had a massive climax up to this event. You've done it, and then the next day, it's like like after the after the uh, the 500 kilo deadlift. The next day, I was at my son's birthday party. I had like 50 people around the house, mm. and nobody gave a fuck. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There's like all the family, like aunties, aunties, uncles, friends, and, and nobody gave a shit. And it's like you know, one or two people are like, oh, well done, Ed, but you just get on with your life, don't you? And that's what's that's what's so that's what's so like depressing about it like you've just done something amazing and you've got to go back to your fucking nine to five life and it's like the fuck's the point yeah do you think that when you do I mean I know you said when I win worlds I'm going to hang it up uh, you're still competing in the UK but are you is that you done with the worlds um never say never for this year are you saying not this year no I'm not, I'm not saying anything I, I never say never mm-hmm. 
than Justin. No, I'm uh, saying that. Keep them guessing. Keep them guessing, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when you do eventually have to retire, that might be difficult for you, do you reckon? Uh, in all honesty, mate, I think it would be very easy for me. Really? Yeah. Even after the way you're saying... But be, be, because I'd just choose another sport and I'd crack on. I'd, I'd, set, a, I'd set a new... No, not <laughs> swimming. But I'd choose another sport, I'd crack on, I'd set a goal and I'd crack on. Right. But there's one thing I do want to do when I retire is lose a shit ton of weight. <laughs> a shit ton. Yeah. I want to look good. I'm sick of people calling me a fat cunt. Uh-huh. Sick really? Of it. Yeah. It's, it does get to me. Yeah. It uh-huh. does get to me. I see it a lot. Uh-huh. You know, you just, you might be, you see it all the time when you, when people share your videos. Oh yeah, it's impressive, but I wouldn't want to look like that. But, but you've got to look like that to be the world's strongest man. Yeah. And all these idiots yeah. like, oh, you know, I'd rather aesthetics over, over performance. I'm like, but, but I, I've got the aesthetics. It's just underneath all this. <laughs> you wait till I retire, man, and I will. I will fucking shred up, and I will look the bollocks. Yeah. And that, that's a plan of mine. I want to do some sort of transformation <laughs> from a thirty stone monster to like a twenty four stone zero percent body fat fucking yeah. freak. Yeah. And I'll enjoy it, and that'll probably be one of my goals. Okay. But people, I think that's just them um, because they know not even in their wildest dreams could they achieve what you have done. There's always going to be something. This, I think that this a lot year. of that is is just general trolling yeah. on Facebook. People just love to put other people down. I don't get it. I, I don't get why someone would go onto someone's Facebook page and comment something negative. I would never do that mm. in a million years. I would never go on someone's page and go, "Oh, he's got a fucking long nose," or "Got a small dick," or "He's, he's fucking fat cunt." What, what I just don't get that it really trolls really get to yeah. me the, the, their existence really? yeah I hate trolls not the actual not the actual things they say but the, their existence in the first place pisses you off no, what I mean is that their presence online yeah why, why go online just to troll people it's, yeah. it's just that to me is a very jealous envious disturbed little fucking creep yeah and the and the facebook is full of them they're losing out on the first that's, i always think they're losing out in the first place like those guys are losers anyway it doesn't really matter does it i don't know man it's but i just don't get it yeah. i just don't get it why 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 be why why crash on someone else's life yeah. get on with your own and carry it's pretty, on it's why relentless as well yeah what yeah. why just, just fucking get on with your conor own Man, shit conor mcgregor says winners focus on winning losers focus on winners and yeah. I just that's simple as that for yeah, me yeah well like, that's it yeah and that's what the, I mean all this naysayer stuff mm-hmm. you know that, that most of them are trolls mm-hmm. you know you say I mean I said I was going to win World's Strongest Man and the amount of people that say you'll never win World's Strongest Man you're too, you're too fat you're too slow and I'm like I'll just beat four in a fucking car walk at Europe's yeah. Strongest Man last week but I'm still slow whatever mate I, I just ban them now yeah. I don't give a fuck but it was those people that spurred me on anyway. You're fueled by emotion. I've noticed that a lot. Yeah, massively. You love that. Yeah, massively. It's good. I think one thing that we've had in the recent podcast, uh, unfortunately, uh, a fellow we had on, his his mother was the first victim of the Yorkshire Ripper, uh, Peter Sutcliffe. All right. And uh, he's, we, we sort of talk about his life. And one thing that came across to me is it's not really what happens to you in life. It's how you use that. And, and what, what you're using is their negativity is just straight up petrol. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, it, and there's nothing more, if somebody says you can't do something, there is nothing more satisfying than going out and do it. Mm. Yeah. Nothing more satisfying. We've got some uh, Twitter questions uh, from uh, your fans. Um, <laughs> fuck's sake. First one, has he ever shot himself while lifting? Who hasn't? 
Exactly. Yeah. Actually, the first competition I went to watch you was at Gateshead, and I think that was why you pulled out, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For that reason. Fucking hell, yeah. I went, the first event, went to pit, there was it a yoke? Yeah, it was. I went right. to pit the yoke up and fill my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> that so, was my first experience of any hall of person. To the brim. Oh, and you said, me. my hero, <laughs> and then continued, yeah. Uh, next one's a bit easier. What can you bench? Uh, well, do, do you ever do one rep maxes? I don't know. I have done a 300 kilo bench. Fucking raw, raw as well. Um, I think in competition, I've done a 280, no 285, yeah. and that was with a, a fuck tricep at the time. Jesus. So uh, I don't know what I'm capable of, but uh, I think if I put my mind, heart, and soul to it, I could go for the world record bench. But who gives a shit? <laughs> No, I don't. That's a big power. It's one of those. It's funny though, isn't it? Benching people put so much into it, but it's yeah. it's nothing compared to deadlifting. No, nobody gives a fuck. Um, you tell me who who owns a world record at squat? Who knows, mate? Yeah, exactly. Who no gives a fuck? Who's the world's strongest man? Eddie Hall. There yeah. we go. Um, <laughs> the worst injury you've suffered um, during your competitive. The world. The, the the world's 2016. I detached the ligaments on my middle finger. Completely gone. So that hand is literally rendered useless now. So, I mean, it's luckily, you know, in the next year or so, I tire anyway, but that, any grip events, I'm fucked. Really? Absolutely fucked, yeah. yeah. I can't, can't, can't grip anything. You're right-handed. I'm right-handed, yeah, but obviously frames and, yeah, yoke, yeah. you know, f- f- farmer's walks and stuff, mm-hmm. you need two hands. Both, and yeah. There's just no strength. Yeah. Someone's asking about your thoughts on Thor. I know you've, you've already spoken about what happened. Have you seen him since then and squared it away, or is it just like... Just left Not at all. It's water under the bridge. Um, I'm sure he feels bad about what's what's been and done. Um, you know, I've got nothing against four. I don't. I, I don't dislike him. You know, it's just 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 he's got nothing, nothing against him, and I don't think he's got anything against me. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's just uh, crack on with your life, four. You know. I'll crack on with mine. It sounds a little bit like you're, when you finish, well, now you finish, essentially you've reached the peak, mm. you're not going to go back every year and sort of go watch other people. There are certain people who, have, who stick around with the sport and commentate or you're not, you're not into that. Yeah, if, okay. uh, if, if they want me back commentating, I'll 100% be there. I'd enjoy that. I'd love yeah. to be there and support and, uh, and, and obviously be, you know, commentate on the TV for the English fans would be great. Seems like you're quite a student of it as well. Like you study other people's techniques, like you say, so yeah, you'd be good yeah. at breaking that sort of thing down. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, that's my job. Yeah. You know, you've got to study and evaluate everything in Strongman. Yeah. Everything. Um, can you even describe how intense the pressure is on your body when you pulled 500 kilograms? To describe it, jeez. Um, well, Imagine someone strapping 250 kilo to each hand and making you stand there for two seconds mm-hmm. and imagine how much strain that would put on your body. In fact, in fact, go into a gym, put 500 kilo on a rack <laughs> yeah. and if you can lift it a fucking centimetre away from the rack, I'll come and suck your balls because <laughs> you won't be able to do it. That'll give you some idea of how hard it was to yeah. do 500 kilo and the pressure. Wow. Who would you least like to fight in out of strongman, out of all the lads? Out of strongman? Out of all the strong uh, strongman oh, lads? The strong is there anyone who you'd be like, oh, he's the last person out of that lot I'd want to have a scrap with? I've really thought about that. Mm. Um, the, probably the least person I'd want to fight would be four. Yeah. Just from his sheer size and athleticism. 
It oh, helps yeah. you to be a little bit smaller than though, doesn't it? In the sense that is it smaller guys can no. get under. No, I think the bigger you are, mate. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to look at Tyson Fury. Yeah. Six foot nine, six foot ten. Just his reach and his, his size and natural size and strength just gives you such a massive advantage. And that and and that that's what I'm on about. Hard work always beats talent. Yeah. But when talent's like freakishly fucking stupid, like punching the it's, fist. It's all, yeah. That's, that's not talent at that point. That's just being big. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. There's actually a difference. One boxer who you've uh, who you've met recently. I seen a picture of you and Anthony Joshua. Uh, what was it like uh, having a chat with him you... yeah AJ's AJ's a nice guy yeah, yeah he's another one I wouldn't want to get a punch by <laughs> um, but yeah he's a sound lad and he, like, fuck me he's, um, he's got his head screwed on mm-hmm. he's going to go a long way he, he's, he, I think he's going to be the, the greatest boxer in history he's going to be the next Muhammad Ali wow for sure that's massive yeah. I know you, you've done a few boxing uh, like matches yourself and that's on YouTube yeah, not nothing serious, just yeah. charity stuff, yeah. really. Uh, and I do, I do keep fit with boxing nowadays. I quite, you know, every week I do boxing just to keep fit. Mm-hmm. Who's stupid enough to step into a ring? Really? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised, really? man. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't had any any beef for about ten years. I don't you, think I don't you mentioned you're on the doors and that. Yeah. Were you actually on the doors yourself, or did you just have? I was in? initially, yeah, yeah, but then I, I obviously set me on business. And, any any stories from that, or was it pretty plain sailing? Yeah, there's plenty, mate, but you can't talk about stuff. Like <laughs> You've been glassed over the back of the head and stuff like that. I've been though. fucked over myself many a time. Yeah, yeah many a time. Yeah. When when what I noticed anyway is when you're a big lad, they never fight fair. There's always something yeah, else yeah. coming. Like. I mean, I, I've been pretty. Uh, Lucky wheel. I've never, I've never been really started on. Mm-hmm. When I got to about twenty-four stone, nobody looked at me twice. And and to be honest, I don't go looking for trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I don't give a fuck who's the artist. That's not my person. Mm-hmm. You can, like, if anyone wants to fight, crack on, fuck off. Yeah. But obviously, everyone's got an angry side, you know. And I, I have blown the lid a few times, yeah. especially this last four or five years. But nothing's ever come of it. You know, nothing's ever come to fisticuffs, really. Yeah. One thing uh, a friend told me that when they seen you at uh, one of the conventions where you do all the meet and greets and that is, mm. you've got quite a lot of attention from the ladies, mate. Oh. The women apparently like you. Has it? Have you ever like been in any compromising situations where women have just thrown themselves at you a bit over the years? Yeah, or? man. I, obviously, I'm a married man. I yeah. have to be fucking... Quite difficult, eh? <laughs> I have to be quite, you know, sensitive about that kind mm. of stuff. Um, but yeah, you'd be surprised... Uh, there are some proper strong, strong fangirls out there. There are, aren't there? Well, oh, I think yeah. it's an alpha male thing. At least that when I walk into a bar, you can always twig that's, that one girl who loves a big lad. That's the thing. Uh, and you see the girls at the gym that uh, just, just they're just magnetised to the alpha males, and you, you can spot them a mile away. Uh, it's you easy, can. isn't it? Yeah. Even he spots them for us now. Yeah. It's great. All right. Apparently, someone said, "I don't have a question, but just let him know he's done so proud." Oh, brilliant! Thanks, dude. Whoever that is. And uh, all right, which moment was better, winning the world's strongest man or breaking the five hundred? Oh fuck me! Winning the worlds, winning the worlds meant the most. Mm-hmm. But they, they both, they both, um, they both like sort of supplement each other mm-hmm. because the, the, I wanted the five hundred kilo to prove I was the strongest man in history, but you had to have that world's strongest man title to solidify it. I feel like uh, I always look at things from a business point of view as well, and I feel like the five hundred is it, it helped grow your your fame so much. Yeah. Uh, whereas the world's strongest man wouldn't have done that, but now you've got you've you've backed it up. You've got yeah, the yeah. stamp of approval, and you've got that moment. That's, that's why the two well. work so good with each other. Yeah. It's that it's the solidification of each other together. Uh-huh. 
It just gives, it, I, I genuinely think I'm the strongest man that's ever lived. I do think that. Like, there's no one that can deadlift more or bend, you know, in general, squatting, de- the overall strength, I don't think anyone's ever matched me. You got any more questions, mate? One last question for you, mate. How would you like to be remembered? Um, I would like to be remembered as the man who made Strongman great again in the UK. I would like to be remembered as the legend, Eddie Hall, the strongest man that ever lived. Mate, you've been an absolute legend. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you very much. Um, if you've enjoyed this, I'll leave the links to all of Eddie's stuff in the description below. You can go and follow him. Documentary's well worth watching. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely check that out We on watch Netflix. a lot of documentaries for people who come on this show. Some of them are absolutely dog shit, but some, yeah. this one was genuinely good. And uh, you get there's some tingling moments in there you, you don't get made You're also of. releasing a book, mate. Yeah, I am. It's um, <clears throat> Eddie, it's called, it's called Strongman. Mm-hmm. Eddie the Beast Hall, My Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's released October the 18th you can pre-order it now on Amazon I'll put the link for that in the description below so if you want to buy it the link will be down there like the video thanks for watching subscribe and we'll see you later